before the bombs fell, everyone was sure cockroaches would survive. Let's see whether they were right. Hmm, just cockroaches the size of a dog. I'd call that a bit more than mere survival. It's also incredibly aggressive and wants to tear my hand off. That's a little different from before the bums. Ah, but wait! Now when you kill it, this thing tastes just like chicken! And the chicken is died with the bombs! Hooray! Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And this is RPG Backtrack, episode number 212 of The Roaches Did Survive. I am Phil Willis, and this is the Master Survivor himself, Mr. Mike Meeky. Master Survivor of multiple uses of Excel today, dealing with multiple confusingly worded grants. That was fun. You know who else is a survivor? Bethesda. <laughs> I'm a survivor. Because who well, else? Who else could come out with this whole marketing scheme <laughs> of charging people ninety nine dollars a year for a broken no online experience? Ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. So a hundred dollars. That's yeah. if you go for the year. If you go for the month, it's ten dollars a month. Their uh, ability to weather self inflicted gunshot wounds is just amazing. They're like, like a cockroach. Blizzard is out here being like free speech. What's that? Screw it! We don't want you guys any money. You know what? Yeah. We've got BlizzCon in a few weeks. We're gonna piss everybody off. But that is like, hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> and that uh, I, that beer holder you hear is Mr. Nathan. Nathan, I somebody. Agree with certain interpretations <sighs> lately. Nathan that... Marvin. Nathan Marvin. <laughs> Marvin Garvin. Marvin Michael Garvin. Thank you very much. And misnamed as Nathaniel for now, but we'll deal not, with that. Not Nathan time. Marvin Monroe. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and I, I know he was never a popular character on The Simpsons. We, yeah. we we also have on the air with us today, Miss Noodles and Curls. Her last name is and Curls. Hello, it's Noodle, <laughs> just Noodle. Noodles and Curls. Curls with a Z at the end. Curly <laughs> Noodles. Is that like rotini or makes it cooler when you put a Z at the end? But, but well, this yeah. is 
No. I, I love it. I, I just did a quick search for new role-playing games, and the first new story that pops up is Fallout 76 just gave people a reason to play The Outer Worlds instead. So, plenty <laughs> of reason to play The Outer Worlds. Um, should we just get it all out of our system right now before we jump into Fallout 4? Because I will be just a constantly snipey little bereaved gamer all day if we don't. Or, well, or are you just going to put the hammer down? All right, no, all right Nathan. Let me... Let me answer your question with another question. Will we ever have a Fallout 76 backtrack? No. Yes. We absolutely must. I demand it. (laughs) Okay, well, it hasn't reached the realm of backtrack eligibility yet, so we must keep our talk about Fallout 76 and its many, many deep, fascinating story bits that we would potentially spoil for people to a minimum. Okay. Fair enough. Then I demand everybody stop talking about it, because I will not be able to hold back if you keep bringing it. What, Fallout 76? Yes. I haven't played it and don't really plan on playing it, so... Well, well let's, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about a game that clearly is better than The Outer Worlds. Let's, let's talk about Fallout 4 today, right? Yay, Fallout 4! Fallout 4! So yeah, we have a quick CRPG club where I'm going to talk about God Eater and your comments, a final lap, and so much more. So uh, we're going to take a break before something else crashes, and we'll be right back. I'm as corny as Kansas in August. I'm as normal as blueberry pie. No more a smart little girl with no heart. I have found me a wonderful guy. I am in a conventional dither with a conventional star in my eye. And you will note there's a lump in my throat when I speak of that wonderful guy. I'm as trident, as gay as a daisy in May, a cliche coming true. I'm bromidic and bright as and This is the main event where we take a game or a series of games and we dive into all of its juicy details, spoiling it like a carton of eggs that have been left out through an apocalypse. Today we are talking about Fallout 4, developed by Bethesda Game Studios, published by Bethesda Softworks. This was released on various platforms, including Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One on November 10th, 2015. This is a single-player action RPG that does not charge you $99.99 to have your own private world. Take me home. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. Bad, bad me. We're starting. We're You're not going to talk about 76. We're not going to talk about 76. I don't even know how this all happened. Like the day we were going to record a Fallout 4, that news comes out. It's just, I just. I, it, was it was meant, meant to, be. to be. Yeah. There we go. Jinx. The backtrack causes all kinds of things in the in the gaming universe as we have established in the past. Uh, but anywho. Uh, Bethesda just has an innate sense of timing. It's fairly good timing. But timing is everything. It, it, it is. Uh, but Two days are... before the Outer Worlds, and they include Ranger armor after ignoring Fallout New Vegas for years. Coincidence. 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 All right. Coincidence. So we'd like to start off by talking about the story. Who would like to go into the sort of details the of the story. plot? I love the story. Oh, man. I love the story. Wow, I think uh, I think Noodles and Curls wants to talk about the story. Go ahead. She'll, she'll be nicer than me. Well, um, it's been a few years, so if anyone wants to jump in, 
feel free. But, um, so I might just start from the beginning of the story and just... Yeah, yeah, just go, yeah. Everything. Just, just start at the beginning of the story. It's like you, it's like, it's like you live in a, it's like you live in the 1950s, but it's really like the 50s, a futuristic 1950s, (laughs) where everything's run on, uh, what, nuclear power, and, uh, even your cars, and, uh... You know, it's on the brink of war, and dudes, people coming around selling you spaces to uh, the fallout shelters, um, specifically from Vault Tech. uh, Vault Tech is selling you a slot in. Yeah, Vault Tech is selling you a slot in a fallout shelter. And not just you, it's also your spouse and your baby. Yeah, your spouse and your baby. Isn't it Vault 111? Is it Vault? 111 that you're in? I think so. Yeah, I think 101 was uh, Fallout 3 and 13 was Fallout 1. Yeah. So, you sign up, right, before it happens? You sign up and then then all of a sudden it happens, right? Um, And everyone's running for their lives and whatnot, so you, you know, grab everyone, run out to the Fallout shelter, you know, everyone's freaking out, and you get on the platform. After you go through the security checkpoint to make sure to make sure that you're signed up. Yeah. They aren't letting anybody who's not on the list into that. Yeah. So people are freaking out. It's a whole it's a whole thing. And just as you're being lowered into the fallout shelter, the big bomb goes off. And you can see it. And it's pretty it's a pretty epic like whole cutscene type thing going on. Oh my gosh, I've been spoiled. A bomb went off in fallout. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, yeah, spoilers, a bomb goes off and fall out. Um, I think it might yeah. have been more than one, in fact. Yeah, it wasn't it like a couple? I think, it may, have been, uh, I think <laughs> it may have been World War Three. in fact, yeah. Yeah, I think it was World War Three. Well, I'm not sure about World War Three, but America was fighting China and... And they were bombing us, yeah. Yeah, America annexed uh, Canada by force and then... There was a ground war fought in Alaska, but and they were fighting over resources. I'm not sure yeah. if it was a world war, but both countries committed a full thermonuclear apocalypse again. Mutually assured yes. destruction. Yeah. Yes. I I remember seeing little hints that there was a great battle in England. Yeah. Yes, uh, and there was a expansion in Fallout Three about it, uh, Operation Ink, which covered it in a little more detail. So you get into the to the Fallout shelter. They tell you to put on the suit, the special suit that you have to wear, and um, then it turns out that you're going to get frozen. So you got to get in the pods, and they say that you're going to be taken care of. And don't worry, there's going to people be people taking care of. All the electronics and the cryogenically frozen pod technology, and you're going to be woken up as soon as it's all over. And so then you you kind of like quietly go to sleep. Then it goes to black, and then you get like random glimpses of you wake up and what was it like? You see, you're kind of like awake, but you're not really. It's kind of like a dream. Let's see, you're, you're coming out of the cryo fusion, yeah. and there are people around, you vaguely see that your baby is being taken Oh, right! Away. Yeah, so if you choose, so if you choose to play a guy, then it's your, then 
your wife is holding the baby in the cryogenic chamber. And if you choose to play the girl, then your husband's in there holding your baby. Um, so I, I think I'd play the guy. But so you see your wife is holding the baby and because they're like right across from you. And so you can see it out your little window thing. And it's kind of hazy. And they open up the thing, and she's holding on to the baby, and they're trying to rip the baby out of her arms, and she's, like, freaking out. And then you start freaking out, and but you can't get out of your chamber, and so they end up, um, spoiler alert, they end up shooting your wife. Or husband. <laughs> or husband. Your wife or husband, whoever you choose to play. And they steal the baby, and then they, don't they see you? Being like kind of awake, I don't remember. They seem to, but they also don't really care so that much because yeah. you're stuck in the tube. Yeah, I think they consider the bringing you along, but they choose against yeah. And so, I, I guess it's a spoiler, but this is within the first hour, so it's not much. Yeah, it's the very beginning yeah. of the game. So, so then you get you you fall back asleep into your cryogenic state or whatever, and then some time passes, and then you wake up again and. Everything's broken. Like, no one's there taking care of the mechanics. Everything's just kind of left to ruin. Somehow the cryogenic mechanics had failed, and mostly everyone, I think everyone else was just dead in their cryogenic chambers. That's what I remember. I remember looking around. Yeah, chambers and everyone was just, yeah, everyone was just dead. They failed. They're dead. Yeah, they failed. Uh, and nobody else is you. there, but there are some rad roaches to greet you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so no one else is there in the vault. You're by yourself. You're wondering what the hell just happened. Or heck, I don't know the language barriers on this podcast. Um, you're wondering what's going on. You don't know what year it is. You don't know what happened. You don't know where your kid is. Your wife is dead, and, or husband is dead, and so you have to... So you just end up wandering around the um, fallout shelter just looking for anything to tell you what's going on. And, and, and you do find some computers gadgets. that are running some useful in background information. Yeah, because everything's running on, what, the nuclear the power? Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, which lasts, like, forever, so some of these computers still work. And so you can... Look into, on the computers, let's see if there's any information. Like, there's logs that people have kept of what was going on. So you read that, kind of get an idea. Um, you're just finding anything like clothes and um, find some rad roaches. I think you find a gun. I emptied a whole clip on a rad roach and didn't even kill it because I'm that I... bad. <laughs> I didn't use vats at first and just tried to bash with whatever it was, the crowbar, the the safety oh. baton, that was it. The safety baton, yes. The safety baton worked wonders on rad roaches, not many other things, but it kills rad roaches just fine. I was I was playing it with my friend watching me and like kill it, kill it and I'm like, I'm trying and it's just like eating my face. But no, there's a there's a log, and there's a whole story you learn of, of what happened in the vault, which which is why there's no one there anymore. Which is, if, does anyone want to talk about that story? Uh, vault Tech is notoriously bad about 
accidentally using its life-preserving fallout shelters as science experiments. Yes. So <laughs> they were using this vault as a science experiment. On uh, It's mostly on the people that were there to make sure everything ran smoothly. And those were the people that were being uh, observed because they, I think they ended up running out of food or something like that. And then there was like a whole, like, uh, coup d'etat or whatever. Yeah, you read the logs of the yeah. administrator of it who was constantly describing how every, all these people in this vault are just, look at these disgusting degenerates. They don't even know the value to here possibly be expect i expected so much more of them how dare they revolt against me because i'm not giving them enough to eat <laughs> yeah and then you get the idea that oh that everybody killed each other pretty much that's how it worked <laughs> yeah pretty much everyone killed each other and so there's no one left to um, take care of the frozen people which all died because there is no one there <laughs> because vault tech was not designed with autonomous cryogenics in mind, apparently. Needed human handlers all the time. Yes. So, you just miraculously survive somehow. And then you find the, uh, what's it called? The little wrist thingy? Oh, the... Pip-Boy. Pip-Boy! Yeah, that thing. And you find the Pip-Boy, which helps you on your journey. Was it the Pip-Boy 3000 this time? I don't remember. That sounds it, right, though. They changed the model numbers throughout the series. Yeah. But yeah, you eventually... Uh, find how to get out of the vault. And then once you get out of the vault with your Pip-Boy, just everything looks like a pop... A pop I can't say Someone say that word. Apocalyptic? Yes, that one. Wasteland. Well, you get to go through the town that you were in before. Oh yeah, and you find your house. And it actually looks pretty good. You can tell the bomb didn't fall right on the town. <laughs> yeah, right? Because your house is still there. Kind the Commonwealth got off a lot better than uh, the Capital Wasteland, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you meet your robot friend, who I forget Cogsworth. the name Cogsworth. Cogsworth. Cogsworth! Yeah. Oh my, when he complains to you at the beginning of the game about how he tried to keep everything clean... Oh it was gosh. so sad. That poor I, I know. I love him. I love him so much. What he is, was like, what I tried say, to like, keep everything clean for you, yeah. but you guys never came home. And I was just like, oh my god. Nothing gets uh, nuclear stains out of linoleum. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, know, something like so, that. There was some really funny parts from Podsworth, yeah. But yeah, you, you, you rummage around and find, open the fridge and find stuff. And go into your, your kid's bedroom. And the crib is still there, and find stuff. And eventually have to, like, leave the town. Because you got, like, all these dead people wandering around, too. Zombie people. And then you you meet, like, friendly zombie people. Does someone want to take over? <laughs> uh, ghouls, a series staple. Yes, people who have ghouls. been exposed to too much radiation. I guess they kind of become, like radioactively mummified or something? Zombified, I guess? Yeah, like, they, they were able to survive the the whole fallout thing, and they just live forever. Yeah. Mm, so, uh, so far, I've encountered a lot more bandits or what are they, raiders than ghouls. Raiders, yeah. yeah. It is uh, pretty funny to kill a raider and then take everything on the raider. The raider just suddenly appear in ugly underwear. 
<laughs> a really disgusting skin complexion. <laughs> they all wear the same Wasteland brand undergarments. Too. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, it's Wasteland brand under here. Surprisingly clean, considering it is the Wasteland bandits. Right. Well, they they have to do they do their laundry in the rivers. The rivers that are radioactive, as you know, when you when <laughs> you go into them and you almost die. <laughs> Um, what's the first town you go? Is it Lexington or? Uh, let's see. No, that's I don't remember the name of the town, but it's where you first meet the Minutemen. Oh yeah. right, the Minutemen. Yeah. Which Led I haven't gotten Preston much past. Garvey. Preston Garvey, where it took me. Yeah, Preston Garvey was a good guy. And I just got through completing that because, but uh, that first quest involves the killing of a Death Claw, which is not an easy. No, I I don't think I got past that in the game. I just decided to watch my friends beat it because <laughs> I tried so hard to beat that death claw, well, and I just not coordinated armor. enough. Even yeah. in the power armor, I was I still died. They kind of changed things up because uh, power armor in the other Fallout games is kind of high tier stuff. Like you can't use power armor without training in the other Fallout games. Oh. You tend not to get it until much later on, and Deathclaws are high-end enemies that you don't meet until much later on in the other games, too. Yeah, you met the Deathclaw and got power armor in, like, the second town you go to. And a minigun, so, uh... And a minigun! Which is fine, they they change things up, you know, you gotta do that. It's like a couple hours into the game, you're like, here, I have all high-end stuff, and here's a Deathclaw. Yeah, and it only appears after you've killed some raiders. Menacing the Minutemen. Yeah. Or, I mean, he comes around the corner. You have to jump the off Natural the History Museum with its yeah, dioramas the natural, of, of, yeah. of British invaders. Yeah, the Natural History Museum is actually kind of cool to look at to see, like, what you know it was like there. Well, I I could not get that death claw. It kept killing me, so I just cheap. I popped in and out of the house, shot at it a couple times, and when it came me pop back into the house. <laughs> I I was on the roof of the, the place where you get the a power armor, and I tried to kill it from just standing on the roof, but, you know, it didn't work. So I had to jump down and try and kill it, and it just, you know, jumped on me. And it's really terrifying, because you're in first person, and it's like clawing at your power armor head mask thing. And I'm freaking out, going like, oh my gosh, I'm like hitting all the buttons, and nothing's working, <laughs> and I'm just going to die. Yeah, I, once I figured out, oh, I have no chance of just opening fire and surviving. If I try to open fire with the minigun, it misses too often, and it kills me. Yeah. So, yeah. I will do the cheap, but get, but eventually will not end up with me dead way. It took me over an hour. <laughs> Yeah. And because that took me so long and I got distracted by something else, I haven't gotten much further with the games. Oh, anymore. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I will get further. I am in. I am liking this game, but that was not the most efficient means of progression that I selected. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we shouldn't do too much more story because of spoilers? No, 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 this is backtrack. You spoil away. I will be be fine. I am not going to scream at you. No! I didn't want to hit that! Okay. 
And I will scream and do all of that, but it's completely in jest. Um, well, fair warning, I guess I'm the one who <laughs> made it the furthest of us three, so, uh... So you take over. I mean, I know the rest of the story because I watched my friend do it, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm tired of talking right now. <laughs> Your turn. Uh, you kill the Deathclaw, you save the Minutemen, all five of them, or however many there are. And then you go back to your original town where they decide they're going to set up. They're going to try to rebuild things and make a go of it there because they were chased out of the last place they were in. And uh, this quickly gives rise to one of the more popular Fallout 4 memes because the Minutemen are kind of like some uh, unchristian police force. They're, they're do-gooders, but without a mandate, I think is a better way of saying it. And they go around the Commonwealth helping the downtrodden folk, usually by repelling bandits or whatever. And so Preston Garvey, the leader of the Minutemen, decides to, in traditional Elder or not Elder Scrolls, Bethesda fashion, delegate every single task he should be doing to you and you alone. So he's constantly there to tell you when there's a settlement that needs your help. And this serves, this is kind of open world gameplay because the settlements he tells you to go to are random. But it does get you to go explore into the wilderness, and you're also tasked with looking for information on your uh, missing son, which compels you to go to Diamond City, I think it is, uh, which is yeah, some, a city. city built out of Fenway Park. Uh, yes. Oh, did we? Men- we haven't mentioned yet stopping at the the pit stop where you pick up your dog. <laughs> right. Oh, dog, dog meat. meat. Yeah. Dog, dog meat. It's the old gas station. Well, not gas station, but it's you know. Like a gas station. The old, the old gas station with a rocket. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Red Rocket. Yeah. The Red Which is rocket, another settlement right. near your home you can build. Uh, I don't. We'll. I think we'll get into the gameplay stuff later, uh, where we'll talk about settlement building. Mm-hmm. Uh, dog meat, though, is a staple of the Fallout franchise. He was kind of a disposable, not really a companion, but a quasi companion in the first game. And because gamers are weird, they went through the effort to try to keep him alive throughout the whole game. And with great effort and uh, knowledge, you can get him through some of the most difficult dungeons in that game. And I guess uh, this was Black Isle at the time who were developing it. They decided to keep Dogmeat around as a series staple. So he's appeared in pretty much every Fallout game. I know he was in three. I know he's in one. He's in four. And you had a robot dog that could join you in Fallout. Was, Was he in New Vegas? Probably. No, not the, not dog meat, but there was a robot dog companion. Okay. What about Fallout 76? <sighs> We're not talking about that one. <laughs> um, so, just skipping all the stuff, assuming you uh, do a little bit of exploration, go to a few places, you might stumble upon the Brotherhood of Steel in, what was it, Arlington? Uh... Some, it was either Arlington or Lexington. I can't remember. I don't know my geography. Yeah, I think it was places. Arlington. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can stumble upon them, you know, do some stuff, level up. The guy I was working with who wrote the guide with me decided he was going to beeline right to Diamond City, and he encountered a little bit of trouble on the way because there are some fairly high-level ghouls uh, in the tunnels you need to go through to get to Diamond City. The Metro Tunnels, another Fallout staple. Uh he had to fight some glowing ones. I went there a good bit later and didn't have that much trouble with it. So he was writing all these detailed strategies, and I was like, dude, most people probably aren't going to go straight to Diamond City. They're they're probably going to explore it a little bit and be a little stronger. So you probably don't need to go through all this effort about, you know, cheat killing a glowing one. Because most people are just going to flatten it. Yeah, my, my friend did that. There is a fact on GameFAQs devoted how to beat Chrono without 
getting any more experience than you absolutely must. So there are people who would try this, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. But, I mean, you know, you, typically when you're writing commercial guides, you do it for the 99%, not the 1%. Uh, <laughs> the people who probably don't need a guide in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like, most of the guide market are 30-, 40-year-old men with families that really want to play these games but don't have the time to figure everything out but really want to complete everything. At least that's my experience, a lot of the people who end up using guides for games. Uh, but anyways, you get to Diamond City, you end up uh, being exposed to the mayor via the reporter Piper. Suffice to say, a politician and a reporter that likes to dig up dirt aren't the best of friends. And you get referred to a detective. I think his name is Nick? Nick Valentine? Do I have that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and he happens to be a synth. This introduces you to another aspect of Fallout 4. There's apparently a shadowy organization called uh, the Institute that creates Ah. artificial human beings, and generally people up on the surface are wary of and downright fearful slash hateful of the Institute, probably because they're known for disappearing people and replacing them with clones. And suffice to say, there's a little bit of paranoia about this practice, in Diamond City, but Nick is fine because he's an obvious synth and kind of damaged, so they're like, well, he's not trying to scam anybody and he's proved himself, so he can stick around. Uh, You want to interject? Oh, yeah, I just remember Nick was a a good guy. Like, people liked Nick. He was an obvious synth because he, because his skin was wearing off, so you could see, like, the whole, like, robotic parts of him. Um, Yeah. But people were wary, uh, wary of synths in general because they looked exactly like humans. Yeah, Nick like was skin an older and hair. Model. Yeah, and you wouldn't know if it was a synth or not. And so, because they they come from the institute, and the institute's really kind of a shady organization anyway. So that's why. Uh, and what's uh? Isn't the institute based out of what today is MIT? Is I don't know. Right? I think that's, I think that might be wrong, but <laughs> I think so. Anyways, um, so Nick decides to help you look into the case about your kidnapped son and gives you some information, and you end up finding that some guy in Rivet City, some uh, mercenary, may have been connected to uh, your your son's abduction. So you go and track the house, track him, track down his house in Diamond City, and you find out some more information. The guy's not there, and I think you track him down to an old military base. And you go through that, and you end up uh, fighting and killing him. And then you come out after uh, finding out what the guy knows, and you see a giant airship in the sky. The Brotherhood of Steel has arrived, complicating your search a bit because now they're going to be uh, going to have these power armor power armored technophiles uh, masquerading around the city, causing trouble. So. That's an interesting little divergence. And after this, I get kind of sketchy as to the absolute details. Um, Mostly because it's an open world game and you can kind of make choices. But I know that you end up, uh, you can end up making contact with the Brotherhood of Steel. And your Mm -hmm. choices end up with you going into uh, a super irradiated area at the southern edge of the Commonwealth called the Glow. And you're seeking out a... Some sort of expert who's now a super mutant uh, in the glow who helps you build a teleporter that will allow you to get into the institute. Because right, you find right. out that, yeah, you find out that uh, the institute is able to 
get into the Commonwealth and infiltrate so well and stay hidden because they've developed a teleporter and you can kind of hijack their teleportation system to get you in because well, you highly has suspect to do with, your son is there. Isn't it, don't you have to uh, make contact with, was it the Underground Railroad or something yes, like that? Yes, uh, they're involved too, but I don't remember when you actually meet contact with them. And I think because... you have to kill a specific uh, type of synth, but I can't remember what they're called. Oh yeah, you have to you have to kill a certain person because yeah. that's when you choose where what direction you want to go in the game. You want to either you're going to align yourself with the Brotherhood of Steel and and kill the certain person for um, for the Underground Railroad because the Underground Railroad and the Brotherhood of Steel are uh, kind of like these warring factions. And so, while well, the Underground Railroad's trying to save Synths and such, the Brotherhood of Steel, if I remember correctly, is trying to kill them all. Yeah, the Brotherhood of Steel is very technophilic and technophobic at the same time. And yeah. They view, like, they've almost got a religious uh, fondness of certain types of technology, but they also believe that some technology nobody but them should be able to have, and uh, suffice to say, they don't think Synths are something that should exist. And then yeah. uh, the railroad so, thinks since are people and should be freed from the Institute. The Institute uh-huh. uses them as tools, and then you can also side with uh, the Minutemen, but they're kind of the, you didn't make anybody else happy fact. Yeah, so there's like different ways you could go in the game. If you go with the brother deal, you have to kill one of the major people for, for the railroad. And if you go with the railroad, you have to kill one of the people in the Brotherhood, right? Uh, yeah, that. I think if you side with, uh, well, if you side with any faction but the Institute, you ultimately have to re-infiltrate the Institute, and because all places in sci-fi have a self-destruct switch, you yep. end up blowing up the Institute. Uh, I think if you side with the Railroad, you have to sneak aboard the uh, Brotherhood airship, which I think is called the Pride Wind? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Pride Wind. And sabotage it so it crashes, which is actually a really fun mission. I think it's. I think siding with the Brotherhood of Steel is probably the most fun course of action because they rebuild a giant robot from Fallout Three, Liberty Prime, and then you're going through the city and you know fighting the Institute and this giant robot is destroying everything. Very much like Fallout Three, great fun. Uh, my my friend went with um, the the railroad. She took okay, the railroad yeah. side. Um, yeah. I think the railroad has to infiltrate infiltrate the airship, which is a fun mission too. Yeah, you just have to, to bring see it the down. Airship crash. Um, yeah, which was really cool to see. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> so that that was pretty fun. And then yeah. uh, the Minutemen are kind of they're just kind of there. They're just kind of there. I think <laughs> the, you you didn't you didn't make you any didn't want to do either one, so yeah. you go with the Minutemen. I mean, I yeah. had to write a guide, so I played through all four endings over the course of two days. Um, oh man, that's a lot. Uh, I, I was crunching pretty hard to get to the, uh... I mean, you can make a save right at the point of no return. Yeah. And I think that save is right before you use the teleporter. Actually, it might be before that. Because you need to get somebody's help to build the teleporter. Like, you don't have yeah. the manpower and expertise. And, and the side the... you go to to help, yeah, helps you out. Yeah, isn't the, the super mutant guy that you meet in the cave, wasn't he, didn't he used to be a scientist for the Institute? Ooh, he might have. That sounds right. I don't. I don't remember the details. Because I, I think he was, and then he. I don't remember the exact details, but he somehow like escaped, and because um, he didn't like what they were doing, and then um, 
to keep them from finding him, he he developed some kind of thing to allow him to live in the glow because that's where he lives in a cave in the glow. So yeah, you have to um, you have to have like all the gear to to get there. Yeah, generally having power armor is uh, mandatory to make it through the radiation and also the fairly strong enemies in the glow. Yeah, um, and super mutants are naturally resistant to radiation. I don't. I don't remember what caused him to become a super mutant, but I think he was trying to find a way to reverse it. Um, yeah, I think he was trying to save the mutants or something and ended up becoming a super mutant himself. Or... Okay. Um, I don't but remember. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been so long. <laughs> it's been about four years now since I've significantly messed around with the main story of Fallout 4. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you make your choice, you side with your faction. I think the Minutemen have to... Uh, during the Minutemen quest line, you take over a uh, old fort by the coast. I can't remember what it was called. The Citadel? The castle? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, and you can make... You uh, you broadcast your radio frequencies yeah. and stuff from there. And if you side with the Minutemen, you have to repel a, uh institute assault at the castle, which is... Hey, you just have a bunch of synths teleporting in, and you have to destroy them. Are those? You just have to kill them. Yeah. Are the synth assassins called coursers? Yes, coursers. Okay, okay, that came back. Yes. To me. Very, very Blade Runner esque stuff. Yes. I know you have to kill one at some point in the story for to get. Uh, I think some component that will allow you to teleport into the institute. So that's another main story you have to um, at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and if you side with the institute, you. Pretty much have to eliminate all the other factions, and you pretty much just kill everyone. Yeah, it's it's heavily implied that you become the leader of the institute later on, but that doesn't actually happen in game. That's yeah, that's just after yeah post game. Um, assuming. And uh, are we all ready for the the big reveal, the big plot point? I mean, if you don't oh, want to hear it, you can drum roll, please. Mute me drum right roll, now. Please. Go go right ahead, Nathan. I am uh, going okay. to play the game knowing that this okay. is coming and judging how well it was it was prefaced. Okay, you're, Nathan, you're, let's do this together. Okay. Uh, your I'll, son? I'll, I'll start. I don't know. Go this. start. Oh, you don't know this. Okay, Rebecca, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> go away. She ran away. If you away. don't want to okay. hear, leave the room. Okay, go on. Okay. Your son is at the Institute. Not only is he at the Institute, yep. he is the leader of the Institute. And dun, dun, dun. Uh, more than that, you didn't get unfrozen shortly after he was abducted. He's an old man now. Yeah. So <laughs> you've been frozen for like fifty years. Yeah. So, so your son is physically older than you are. Yes, yeah. he's an yeah, old he's, man, yeah. and he's gonna 50, die. Yeah, and yeah, he has a serious, a critical mental or uh, health condition. Yes. Well, maybe that too, because uh, given what the institute does under his watch. And I can't remember why the Institute needed him. I think it was, uh, there's an old canard that the Fallout franchise constantly goes back to where, for some reason, they need people who aren't tainted by radiation. This is a big thing with super mutants. Uh, the FEV virus only is successful when applied to people who haven't been exposed to a lot of radiation, which is basically excluding everyone that's out of the vault. So vault dwellers haven't been exposed to a lot of radiation, so they're prime targets to be abducted and turned into super mutants. Uh, I think something like that had to do with your son, too? He had some special quality, which is why they took him. I think they were trying to find a baby or a child that that was supposed to 
do something with the Institute. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember the exact reasons why, but I I think it had something to do with uh, being untainted from exposure to radiation. Yeah, and then they they raised him in the Institute. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yep. And, and over time, think, he became the leader. Yep. Yeah, and when you get to the Institute, you you see him. You see what you think is him inside of a, one of those glass cages. Yeah. He looks just right. like your your son, like but only like a few years older, and. You're, like, trying to get him to, like, believe that you're, you know, his dad and everything. And then you find out that the the kid in the cage is actually a synth of your son. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, this is just weird. They never do anything with that again, do they? No. Like, you it's never like, adopt the synth as a surrogate or any of that business. I I don't understand why... Like, there, there are some narrative threads they kind of just left on the floor. You never really get a good resolution to the storyline. It's just like, your son's old now and is in charge of the Institute. Now just make your faction decision and either you'll become in charge of the Institute in his stead or you'll destroy his life work. And uh, I don't think he's dead at the end if you have to destroy the Institute. You have some uh, awkward words for each other at the end there. And he kind of just stays behind on the in the institute and uh, blows up with the ship, as it were. Yeah, and then you go down. You don't kill him outright. Yeah. Yeah, you don't kill him outright. You just blow up the ship. Yeah. So not really a great resolution to that. I you know what I remember thinking after I saw the ending that I really wanted it wanted there to be like another option where you stay behind at the Institute, but then you change it from within to make it stop, you know, killing people. And you kind of use the Institute's technology to, like, make life better for all the factions on the Earth. You know? Like, I wanted, like, an all-inclusive option instead of going down there and killing everyone, or killing the Institute. Like, there was a way for all of them to work in a good way. Your son is taken from you at the beginning of the game. Your spouse dies. You have this technology that is canon in the wasteland where people can be convincingly replaced by synths, and yet the obvious follow-up to that never happens. Like, no one ever replaces your spouse with a synth. You never replace your child with a synth. None of that is really delved into, which seems like obvious. Why why wouldn't you do this? Right? Like, I would do that. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, little little dissatisfying ending there. It, uh, it was, because I was like, I don't want another option! <laughs> yeah, but if we're being brutally honest, Bethesda hasn't been known for their sweeping, rigorous storylines. They're mostly about world building. Like, you're just, you're having fun in their world, and the storyline is kind of there. Kind of there. Us. Yeah. When you stop ignoring it. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I, I liked the game. I didn't play, I mean, I played it a bit, and I didn't get too far, because I can't beat a Deathclaw, but <laughs> I watched many, many hours of my friend playing the game, and there was a lot of hilarity. Like, uh, she was holding, I think she was, like, clearing, she was, like, tossing, like, dead bodies into a, a bus or something like that, <laughs> and, yes, I'll um, yeah, and, um, you know, just messing around, and then, uh, I think Piper was her companion at the time, and decided to have a very serious discussion <laughs> while she was holding a dead body. And, yes, because, and because the because of the game mechanics, 
Um, it wasn't really designed for you to go into a cutscene while holding a dead body. So you just have, like, this dead body just flailing about as she's talking about her feelings and how much she really likes you. And you're just like, they're like, yeah. Can this character I don't have corpse on my hands? <laughs> yeah, like, your character is making hand gestures. But you're holding a dead body, so the body is, like, flopping around like a rag doll. And it's supposed to be a really serious conversation. But me and her, we just couldn't stop laughing the entire time. So much so that she she went back because um, we played it on PlayStation Four, and she recorded she, she got the video and put it on Facebook because it was so funny. Um, game mechanics like that, man. I mean, it's just it's it's a symptom of open world games. Yeah, especially Bethesda games, which you know, have some <laughs> technical quirks. Uh, although I have to say, after the Nightmare that was Fallout 3 and New Vegas on consoles last gen. For me, Fallout 4 ran pretty well. I didn't have much in the way of crashes or major technical issues. Yeah, Which was a relief. Um, I guess it turns out that those games just kind of need more than 256 megabytes of RAM. (laughs) So, who would have known? I haven't had any major technical issues. Uh, At the beginning, uh, something under... 15 a second, but it seems to have gotten a lot better now. <laughs> uh, they had a problem in one of the expansions, I think, Far Harbor, where they had a lot of mist, a lot of fog around, and the engine couldn't really deal with that too well, so it would kind of tank the frame rate when you're running around certain parts of that, but I think they patched that and made it better. But that was, like, the only glaring technical issue I had with the game. Aside from... Uh, your, the the building mode in the game being kind of finicky in general, but you know I'll I'll forgive them some issues with trying to get things to snap. So uh, I'm trying to think what other characters you had. You had a uh, Brotherhood of Steel paladin who joined you, and he had a bit of a revelation later in the game. Um, you had a super mutant whose name I can't remember. It was something really simple though. I feel bad. Oh, not being I able wanted to, to learn about um. Like, maps or drawing or something, right? Something like that he, he oh, wanted to learn? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, yeah, but he talked was, really simply. There's a robot you met in a side quest, and then you could help her get, like, uh, what are those, Mr. Handies? She's, in, she's one of those robots, and her name was Curie, I think she herself. And then you could get her a proper humanoid synth body later on, which was kind of neat. Um... You had some boring Institute courser that you got late game and you could take with them, but by that point, you'd had characters like Piper and, uh, you know, just all these other other characters, Dogmeat and Preston, I think, would travel with you. And, yeah, just when, once you're that far in the game, I, I don't think many people are really willing to take on a new character because you've already formed your bonds with people and know who you want around. Um, God, there was another, another female companion in the game, and I can't remember her name either, but she was... Uh, uh, feisty redheaded woman who had a, oh, I remember. a somewhat dubious morality, but she was still fun. She was sassy. Yeah. Um, so they, they had a pretty good cast of characters, even though you were constantly harassed by Preston to go uh, rescue settlements. Preston really got on my nerves, so. <laughs> yeah, he became a longstanding meme for a reason. Uh, I was like, hey, Preston, why don't you go do it, jerk? Because Preston's lazy. Because he'd rather just stick in the same town. I mean, I think he joined you on the quest to capture the Citadel, but 
I mean, yeah. you're trying to get a new base for the Minutemen. If one of the surviving Minutemen doesn't come, then what are you even doing, Preston? Seriously. This is like the one thing you have to do. Right. Um, and of course, it's a Fallout game, so it's got that tongue-in-cheek mockery of, like you said, sort of 1950s era aesthetic. Uh, Kate! Kate, there you go. The uh, the redheaded companion we were talking about earlier. Um, you've got all your series staples, you've got Red Rocket gas stations, you've got Nuka-Cola, you've got all kinds of lovely Fallout stuff. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, the Fallout boy. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the Fallout guy, uh, the, the Vault, uh, what's Vault the boy. name for it? I think he is called Vault Boy, but not, Mascot, there you go. Yeah. Vault mascot. Um, and of course, you know, when you're in your menus, they have little animations for all the skills and attributes and whatnot. Uh, one Downside of Fallout 4 is compared to the previous games in the series, the RPG mechanics were heavily, heavily simplified. Kind of to the point of redundancy in some aspects. Uh, I'm a bit of a power gamer, and one thing I like is just kind of grinding to get whatever I want. And in Fallout 4, you don't really have a functional level cap, so if you keep playing and killing stuff and getting experience, you can pretty much get whatever you want. Uh, you can buy whatever special attributes you need, get whatever perks you want. So it kind of flushes the idea of builds out the window, which is a little unfortunate because one of the things I used to like to write about Fallout games were character or character builds. And uh, you really don't need that in Fallout 4 because, you know, if you can't do something this level, just go kill some super mutants and you'll be able to do it in a few minutes. I can't remember what my build was right now in Fallout No, cut out. Uh, I cannot remember what my build in Fallout 2 was, but I definitely... (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we got the right Fallout this time. Um, (laughs) I do remember what my build was in Fallout 2. Um, I always like being intelligent in in these Fallout games, because it usually matters quite a bit. Um, Fallout 4 actually being the exception where you don't want to be that intelligent, so you can benefit off of... uh, Ah, man, there's a perk you can get. I think Idiot Savant. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> oh, that's so hilarious because and this might not be quite PC, but it's been Fallout, so we're talking about Fallout Four. Uh, you gain, you have a chance to gain extra experience with Idiot Savant, uh, and the lower your intelligence, the greater the gain is. And I can't remember what the sweet spot is, but I think it's like three or four intelligence <laughs> is a pretty good sweet spot. And every time Idiot Savant activates and your character gets that experience boost, they make some stereotypical dumb noise like, Duh! So you'll be, like, picking locks or fighting super mutants, and your character will just uh, have a bout uh, of stupidity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. It cracks me up every time. So uh, kudos to Bethesda for that. Although, in some aspects, they did make the games a little goofy, but considering Fallout 2, you could become a porn star, it's, and they had, like, a Scientology spoof. Eh, maybe it's in the very, cool. very well-known porn hub of Reno. <laughs> uh, new Reno. Right, right, new Reno. <laughs> with a population that seemed to be about one-third prostitutes. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're already there. But hey, you're a porn star, not a prostitute. A bright, big, shining star. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the funnest, well, one of the most fun things that me and my friend did when after we beat Fallout 4 um, is you can go back in the game and do some building or whatnot. Um, but we went to the glowing sea and 
to the, to the spot where there's the most radiation and took off all the power armor, all the clothes, just to see how long we could survive. And that was fun. I'm guessing it wasn't very long. No, it was about five seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, the building. Uh, we should probably get into that because that's probably one of the most unique gameplay aspects of Fallout 4. Uh, as you would liberate various uh parts of the commonwealth you would be able to set up settlements there. and what you would have to do to clear settlements varied a good bit sometimes you'd have to clear some side quests other times you kind of just had to go there and kill whatever was lurking around um but once you interacted with the workstation you'd be able to build there and there were a lot of perks devoted just to building and if like you got certain perks you'd be able to share all the components at one workstation with every other workstation which was really useful because it allowed every workstation in the game, every settlement to be like some all-encompassing hub for all your stuff, which was incredibly useful. Um, depending what you built, you'd be able to build like beds and houses and set up uh, water pumps and water purifying plants and plant crops. And as you did this, you would attract settlers and then you could assign them to uh, take care of some aspect of the settlement, like guard duty or put them on some resource generation. I think you could create... Uh, various like workbenches, like scavenger benches, and they would uh, collect junk for you. And so every settlement in the game, if you built it up properly, was not only like a base, a hub, a safe spot for you, but it was also a source of resources. They could harvest your food or collect water, and they'd put it in your stash, and when you came back, you'd have all this stuff, and it was great. And then there was just like the cosmetic aspects of building settlements, just to... Just to see what kind of crazy stuff you could build. And I remember I ended up uh, standardizing, like, a lot of the settlements I built, where I build, like, three by five uh, two-story buildings uh, using concrete platforms. And, you know, you'd have stairs going up into it and beds along the side. And I'd ring the roof with balconies with machine gun turrets on it. And on top, at the very top of the structure, I would have, like, my little farm plots and you could create these little self-contained buildings. I thought it was just fantastic. Uh, but you could do all kinds of crazy stuff. You could build walls around it. Uh, my girlfriend built some weird treehouse near that big tree in Sanctuary. Um, and it was just a good way to spend your resources that you found out in the wasteland. Because exploring the wasteland, you'd find all kinds of pre-war junk. Lamps and concrete bags and just other stuff. You could break it down for materials and through the power of video games turn all that stuff you found into functional turrets or traps or walls or any sort of other building structure. And it really kind of gave purpose to all the crap you found throughout the game. And I personally spent way too much time just building stuff in Fallout 4. Had a great time doing it. Plus, you got experience every time you built something, which also helps if you're a bit of a power gamer. So, uh, And one last thing I'll point out about building is... You had a build limit for each settlement, but you could get around it because it's a Bethesda game. So of course they couldn't really develop it too uh, too well. If you threw a bunch of crap on the ground, well, you could do that too. On PC, uh, mods were fantastic because there was a mod that allowed you to break down stuff like vines and random debris that the console versions couldn't break down. And my girlfriend hated hated the odd branch or other object that would be polluting her perfect settlements. She no, I agree it. with that. I hate that. It's like, why can't I move this one branch? Yeah. Come on! And it's not consistent. Like, in some settlements, you can tear down entire buildings. In other settlements, 
you know, you're basically no. building an alleyway. So they, you know, yeah. What are you gonna do? Um. Oh, I lost my train of thought here. I interrupted you with my mods. Yeah, it derailed me a little bit, but... Oh, well. Settlement building was great and fantastic, and... Right, I remembered it. If you threw a bunch of junk on the ground inside a settlement, and then you uh, broke it down via the settlement crafting menu... Because you enter a menu, and then you're able to interact with objects. Pretty much every piece of junk in the game is an object that you can move or place or break down in the settlement system. And so if you just threw a bunch of junk on the ground and broke it down in your settlement menu, it would deduct the build points of that item from uh, from your total constructed amount of settlement points without actually adjusting the maximum amount of settlement points. So you'd be able to just essentially artificially increase the amount of stuff you could build by just throwing stuff on the ground and breaking it down. And that would give you some more overhead. So, if, you know, you were building a in a relatively big uh, area like Sanctuary. What is called Sanctuary Hills is what I your think hometown it was just Sanctuary. Uh, might be. Um, you know that's a pretty big place. So if you want to do something like build containment walls, so enemies would stop spawning in the middle of your settlement, well, just go break a bunch of junk down, and there you go. Now you can build whatever you want. So, you can also uh, do that with weapons. Like yes, yes. My friend built like the most insane guns with just random crap. Yes, there's a uh, crafting for guns and armor and. It's not that, like, there's an amount of stuff you can, there's an amount of things you can do, and it's pretty impressive, just the number of mods they have and the universality of it. Like, you, if you re- change the stock of a laser pistol, you can turn it into a laser rifle, and, you know, all kinds of stats can be changed by giving your guns different parts. You can make them automatic, you can make them sniper, you can add different scopes to them, different muzzles, but... After a while, you start to realize that there's really only a handful of different types of guns, and like a sniper rifle and a hunting rifle are basically the same thing with different mods on them. So it it's fun, and it's it allows you to customize your weapons. I'm not going to take that away, but it appears more in-depth than it really is once you get down to it. Um, and one of the things to keep in mind is that you have legendary items in the game that can randomly drop from... Uh, legendary monsters that randomly spawn which added a nice bit of range and randomness to the game that i i just i love i love loot drops i think it's fantastic uh but even these legendary items were somewhat simplified like you only had a few prefixes and uh only uh, just a small amount of those were any good but if you could get yourself like an explosive combat shotgun oh man you were done there you go nothing could stand in your way for the rest of the so uh, it, it did add a nice little bit of flavor. Like, if you saw that legendary Rad Roach pop up, oh man, you knew that you were in for some easy loot. And if you saw, like, a legendary Deathclaw, oh, probably yeah, going to be a bit of a fight, but you wanted to yeah. kill it because of that loot drop. Much appreciated uh, addition there. And uh, holy crap, somebody else take over talking. In case I, I, think I, will, I think I will hold off on going after the legendary <laughs> <laughs> difficulty that the non-legendary one caused. Yeah, yeah. I, that's for I just quit at that, at that point. I was like, I tried so many times for so long that I was just like, yeah, I'm just, I can't do it. I'm tired. I'm just going to watch my friend beat the game. Um, there's a way that you can scum legendary items, but uh, it's a little in detail and uh, probably not worth going into here. But uh, if you get yourself a legendary or an explosive combat shotgun or explosive combat rifle... Make yourself some armor that resists explosive damage so you don't blow yourself up. Just <laughs> FYI. 
Splash damage is not your friend. Yes, it is. If you want to die. Well, yeah, if you're a bit suicidal, but yeah, if you just want to die, then go for it. Aside from the rather weak story, like when they just left narrative threads untied, I found Fallout 4 to be a pretty enjoyable experience. I thought the crafting was good. I thought the settlement building was good. The gunplay was massively improved over Fallout 3. Uh, I mean, you could actually use your iron sights, which is something that New Vegas innovated, but I'm going to give credit to Bethesda for... I mean, they improved their gameplay. You're not going to take that away from them. Um, the characters well, were, were how, good. There were how many years between New Vegas and... There were a lot. What was New Vegas? 2011? I thought it was even more like 2010. Ooh, it might be. I can't go so, type. So four, well, four or five it. years. That That's plenty of time to improve the works, and Bethesda did it that time. Hmm. Yes, 2010. I was uh, muting myself so you couldn't hear me type. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was about five years. So, I mean, I'm trying to be as generous as I can to Bethesda, because I'm going to do another podcast here at midnight where I'll be significantly less generous to them. Yeah. <laughs> They they made the gameplay better. The game didn't crash. Eight gigabytes of RAM is apparently fine. I mean, I think it crashed twice, but I was writing a guide for it. It was like 500 hours. Two crashes in 500 hours, fine. It's pretty good. Um, not bad at all. Like, the original, the older games, I should say, on console, once you started getting your save file up about 15 megabytes, then you started having a lot of trouble. Fallout 4, I mean, I didn't have to worry about having too many items collected and my save file getting too big and the game just bugging out on me because I had played too long and it couldn't keep up with all the stuff that needed to, it needed to keep up with. So, Well, I can be annoyed. I, I, in the little bit that I've played so far, have managed to accumulate enough stuff that I've already over-encumbered myself and had to dump some of it off in a desk because I haven't found anyone who is willing to buy my, my rad roach gleanings or my used coffee mugs that I dug out of the houses or these beautiful old magazines, these 200 year old irradiated magazines that I dug out of some living room. Oh yeah. I remember I did that so much. I was a pack rat. I put, I collected everything and I put it everywhere. I've even been dumping stuff on dog meat. Um, Once you get your first settlement up and running in Sanctuary, you'll have a workbench where you can just stash everything. And um, I think your workbench will automatically convert items into their constituent components if you're building. So if you just want to stash the junk there, you can get away with that. But I, I always broke everything down. Uh, for the heck of it. I, I just and... put stuff on dog meat, and then I'd be like, crap, dog meat's full, and I'm full. Oh, we and... almost didn't mention the best part of the game. You can put goggles on dog meat. <laughs> I haven't found any goggles yet, so this is news. I'm. Yeah, you have to do that now. It's a real... Yes. Dog meat is great on his own. Dog meat with goggles is like god-tier great. He's just the best <laughs> doggy ever. Um... Well, already, oh. he was just a dog wandering around the room, willing yeah. to let me come along and become his new owner. Most dogs are not that way. But yeah, dog, dog meets carry my lamps. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few dog dust stamps just... for you, too. Hold on to those. I need the screws. Here, have some Here, have some dog food dishes also. You can have right. <laughs> So. Uh... Oh, and you, you can have all this, all of these long johns that I've taken. They'll probably make you smell, but... You'll just have to deal with it. Gary, <laughs> yeah, you're oh fine. Gosh. You're a dog in the wasteland. You already smell bad. Um, yeah. 
No, that was great. And then I have to bring him back and be like, okay. <laughs> I should also point out that uh, there is some quality of life things that Bethesda actually got ahead of and thought about, which stressed the hell out of me. Like, you can uh, search for specific components in your Pip-Boy and tag the components you want, and then when you're exploring the world, uh, junk items that you see that have those components in them will highlight green. So, like, let's say you need copper wire because you want to build a lot of turrets or whatever. Uh, You can tag uh, copper, and all the lamps you find will highlight. Uh, yeah, that's really nice. That's That was a good idea on Bethesda's part. Though. Good idea, Bethesda. You did okay. You did the thing. <laughs> Just don't talk to me in hours. <laughs> two hours, two hours. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, are we limiting ourselves to Fallout 4? Are we talking about the expansions and whatnot, too? Or? I did I not play the expansions. We should at least mention the expansions, because I got... What did, what did I get? I got Fallout 4... Uh, what is all this freaking DLC? Contraptions Game Workshop, Beer? Far Harbor, Nuka World, Vault Tech Workshop, Wasteland Workshop, Automaton, Automatron. And of course, because I was just getting all of it, I got this pass, so whoop dee do. But yeah, I will probably go through all of this, so let's have um, at it. If I remember correctly, they initially were selling the season pass for $25, but they raised the price at some point later on. And well, because, I got it on Steam sale, I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, this probably didn't affect you, but I remember uh, uh, somebody with a with a keyboard should go check this to make sure I'm not full of crap. But I do think that they were selling it for 25 bucks, and then they announced ahead of time that they were going to raise the price. So, you know, come get it now. And I already had the season pass pre-ordered because I, I'm bad with money. Uh, and, well, also, if you're writing a fact for it, having the season pass... Yes, uh, that was another consideration. Uh, season pass for what? Fallout 4. Uh, wow. Well, you can get the Game yep. of the Year edition for $24, well, which I, the, I this, think you just said. This was before that. Uh, <laughs> this is when the game get, was new before they did the game. Now you can get everything for 24 bucks. Yes, uh, now you can get it for which a lot is, cheaper. I think I got is, the Game of the Year for... So 20? you can get the Game of the Year edition for $24, which is less than a quarter of the price than one year. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm never going to say that. Don't Dad, do it. Dad, Dad. Phil, you You're did this. We are trying to say about that Bethesda did some good things with Fallout 4. Not all good things, but some good things. There are good things to be had in Fallout 4. There's the thrill of... Of the stuff. ...finding some... Some rad mole rats and having to kill them as they burst out of the ground next to you. Oh man, those things scared the crap out of me. I hate mole rats in that game. They are so annoying, but yeah. Well, there's also the cows. Uh, Brahmin? Yeah. <laughs> All I've they done is fun. find cows so far. They haven't done anything. They just stand there and yeah, act they... like cows. <laughs> well, yeah, they're just two headed cows that just stand there. <laughs> Which means that they, are st- that they are still the most sacred of animals in India. Oh, yeah. Country roads. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, for the season pass, I'm going to give credit here, too, for the 25 bucks I paid for back in the day. The season pass was actually pretty good. I think you more than got your money's worth. It's not The Witcher 3 levels of awesome quality content, but what is? Uh, the workshops were kind of lame, just to get that out of the way. I appreciated the stuff they added. Then again, 
little bit aware of the fact that all the stuff they added with these workshop packs were just things that people could have modded in anyways. Some of the things they added via the workshop packs were literally just background decorations that they made functional in your workshops, or in your settlements, I should say. Uh, but they still added some stuff. They One of the big things they added for one of them was like uh, cages where you could lure enemies and... I remember I built a incredibly stupidly big gladiatorial arena and lined it with cages and I captured a whole bunch of enemies and I would just I, I had to like it rigged up so I could open all the cages by pressing a lever behind some uh, cage and I could free all the enemies and watch them fight. And it was pretty cool. Except enemies kept spawning underneath the arena, which was thing, but you know, I tried, I tried. Um Automatron was a pretty, like, a relatively small, self-contained DLC uh, that harkens back to a side quest in Fallout 3. Uh, had to do with uh, Canterbury Commons, I think, where you had the Automatron and the Antagonizer, two, two comic book villains that were fighting each other in the town, and uh, someone else in Fallout 4 adopted the mantle of the Automatron, and you had to go through their lair. I think they also introduced another faction of... Raiders that wore, like, robot armor. And at the end of the Automatron expansion, you could essentially get the Automatron armor and get the uh, Automatrons... Are they... What, what are they called? Was it the Mechanist? Whatever it was. You got that stronghold, and that was pretty neat. I mean, it wasn't, like, top-tier content, but for the amount you paid for it, it was fine. Um, the Vault-Tech one was, I think, a, a short little quest... And then you were able to go to a prospective spot for a vault, and then you were able to just build your own vault, which isn't that different from the workshops, but the amount of content they added and the novelty of just being able to create your own vault was pretty cool for a Fallout game. Uh, kind of harken back to the Fallout Shelter free-to-play game they released before Fallout 4. Oh, yeah. Um, it did take a bit of doing to figure out how to actually make everything snap together and work. But once you got your vault up and running, there was actually a lot of content for that. If you liked uh, just building stuff, then building your own vault was no brainer. I I had a good bit of fun with that. The the one of the things that I just remembered about Fallout Four that I thought was kind of you also find another vault and go into that vault, and it's actually was told because every vault I think was like a different experiment. So even yeah. though yours was cryogenically frozen people. The vault that one of the vaults that you go into is actually a still fully functioning vault, fallout shelter, with humans that are living there and they have school and they have room bedrooms and they have, you know, a whole section on trying to grow plants and that whole thing. And that was kinda cool. Honestly, to see how different vaults. How how it would be if yeah. vault tech weren't a bunch of bastards and actually, yeah. you know, let it work the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, in the old school fallouts, I think there was one legitimate vault, and they included everything the vault was supposed to have, including a Garden of Eden creation kit. And that became a prosperous, high-tech, functional city in the middle of the California desert, like it was supposed to do. So the proof of concept is there, at least in Fallout 2, but... Yeah, yeah unfortunately... They, they, have a, they, have a functioning, yeah. they have a functioning uh, Fallout shelter in Fallout 4 as well. Yeah. And 
I think they, once you completed all your quests there, I think they, they asked you to, like, stay with them, you know, to, and, but you're like, no, not gonna stay here, I gotta find my son, whatever. I've gotta go wandering. I gotta go wandering. <laughs> um, I think the final two DLCs were Far Harbor and Nuka World, and Far Harbor actually saw you going up the coast a bit, and had its own map, so it was a nice, proper, sizable expansion. New enemies, new settlements. I mean, that's where your real value was. New quest line. So that was really good money, or value for your money right there. I'd, and, I'd have to go look at Wiki or GameFAQs. In order of what? You cut out again. <laughs> the order that the DLC came out in. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Automatron, uh, the vault Tech one, Far Harbor, and Nuka World. I don't know when the actual workshops came in. I think they were interspersed, uh, trending towards the beginning of that list, but I do remember Nuka World being the last. And uh, I can only speak from my perspective on Nuka World, but honestly, by the time Nuka World rolled around, I was just like a Fallout 4, and consequentially, I enjoyed that one considerably less, uh, the, the running around, and you know, so they had some scavenger hunts, which I wasn't fond of. One of the quests in that expansion did bug out on me and like had an invisible wall that i had to like cheat my way around through the use of grenades it was, it was, it was weird but um that was my least favorite one you are not making me want to spend your microphone hates you just... uh, 500 <laughs> hours on fallout 4 in one solid go does not seem to be a recommended pastime. No, no, I do that. You have to be insane to do that. And uh, the money was fine, but wasn't that fine. Uh, I mean, you're going to face burnout if you play a game, any game that much, even if it's a really good one. I enjoyed my time with Fallout 4, but by Nuka World, I was, I was ready to be done with it. That said, if they re-released it at some point, like on the PlayStation 5, and it had some, like a new trophy list, I would platinum that game again. So. Given that Skyrim has been really... Yeah. Uh, hasn't got so many. Skyrim has three platinum, I think, and I will have them all. Because I'm bad with my Wait time and money. You know what? The Switch doesn't have Fallout 4 yet. Maybe that's time. Give it time. Give it time. Uh, I mean, it's getting Wait, a lot of It just of got Bethesda, Witcher 3. <laughs> right? Okay, well, let's be fair. Bethesda does not have the technical aptitude that the project does. Like, <laughs> I don't know how... CD Projekt manages it, but they are able to cobble, like, amazing games out of Polish techno sorcery. No idea how they do it. Um, yeah, and Bethesda, aside from doing... Which has got to be pretty easy at this point. Uh, it seems to have its attention drawn up by something else that we don't want to talk about Country too much. Roads, <laughs> West Virginia! Okay. Um... But I, I think, I'm just explaining, I'm just trying to establish that this is, seems to be where Bethesda's attention is of late, rather than doing anything else with Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Fallout 4 is done. Um, well, so is Skyrim, but that hasn't stopped Bethesda well, porting it everywhere. <laughs> okay, it could get ported again, Bethesda's a big company, but it, it, demands, it remains to be seen, given the nature of backwards compatibility. We, we don't really know how that will all play out. But I would not be surprised whatsoever to see... Fallout 4 Enhanced Edition on the PlayStation 5, Xbox 2. So Is that what it's officially named now? No, I have no idea. They okay. have no, I think it's officially named the PlayStation 5, but with Microsoft, there's no telling. Well, if it's like the last one, then they'll try and 
completely locked on games with no ability to swap them with anybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's not go too far afield with that. Um, I think yeah, that's a yeah. whole topic. That, all that speculation is on right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much, I think, all I have to say about Fallout 4. Um, oh, we I have noticed something that we I don't think we've talked about yet, which is the, the radio, right? Uh, the radio? Sorry, Where you get on. lots of faux 50-sounding songs have been oh, pretty yeah, effectively integrated. Yeah. Yeah, the radio thing where you get all the 50 sounding music things. Yeah, they recycled a lot of the Fallout 3 tracks to Fallout uh, 4, but that's fine because they were they were good in Fallout uh, 3, so. They and... didn't quite have anything as, like, anyone as charismatic as 3 Dog <laughs> running the radio race, but I guess you can't ask for everything. And what voice acting I've experienced has been pretty good. It doesn't necessarily match with the visual in there. Well, issues, but the voice acting in its in and of itself is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the voice acting is is pretty good. I mean, Bethesda's always pretty decent on that. I'm not gonna not gonna critique that. That was pretty good. And, I and guess the music. Take... Um, I don't know if they got Einon Zur. I can't remember off the top of my head to do the soundtrack, but Fallout tends towards more subdued sort of score instead of you know raucous glory music. I. I don't really remember any of the combat music standing out to me like uh, like it did in Fallout 3, but yeah, it was fine for what it was. The mere fact that it did a pretty good job of uh, making you want to tear your hair out, that that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, oh, right, I do remember one more thing I wanted to say. There's always one more thing I can... Uh, I really like how they handled power armor in Fallout 4. Yeah. In previous Fallouts, it was just something you wore, Granted, you needed training for it, so it was kind of like a reward for making it to a certain point in the game or completing a certain side quest, but you could go through the earlier Fallouts, like Fallout New Vegas in particular, I think, without ever learning how to use power armor. In Fallout 4, they kind of take that specialness away, but they also make power armor powered by fusion cores, so it's a limited sort of resource thing. Granted, you'll end up with so many fusion cores that it won't really be that limited, but they also changed like the uh, user interface, so you can clearly see that now you're in power armor and you move a little bit differently. And there's that lovely animation where you're slipping into the power armor, and it just makes you bigger and harder to kill. And power armor feels special in Fallout Four. Yeah, and you also get to see when your leg is falling off <laughs> or your arm is gone. Well, I mean, it's power armor, but it's not exactly death crew. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the clunky sound. Yes, you do. Uh, and you have a headlamp. Huh? Yeah. And and I can speak to this. At the beginning, I tried to go exploring in my power arm. And I did too much exploring because it ran out of juice. Get some more cores and put it, put it back in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to get out and just, like, leave it in the middle of nowhere to power cores. Uh, one of the problems with power armor, though, maybe this isn't a problem with power armor, but more of a problem with your settlers, but if you leave your power armor laying around and it has a fusion core in it, your settlers will get in your power armor. They will, they will, and they will take off. (laughs) So, that can be, uh, that can be a little bit disturbing. So, just remember that, um, if you have to leave your power armor out laying around, take the fusion cores out. (laughs) Yes, don't let them uh, go joyriding on your What? Don't leave the key in the car? Yeah, I was just about to say that. It's like, don't leave your car running. 
because someone will get in it and take off it. Oh, man. Oh, uh, should also mention that power armor is, instead of just being like a suit of armor you wear, it's like you have power armor frames, and that's sort of the exoskeleton, endoskeleton of the power armor. And then the actual pieces of the armor you attach to that power armor frame. So you can kind of customize your power armor suit. You can have like a different shoulder pad and a different leg and a different helmet all on the same power armor frame. And you've got some of your old staples like the T-51B and the, uh, uh, I can't remember what they call the remnant power armor now, but you've all kinds of power armor that you can use and mix yeah, and match. legendary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool stuff. And also you have little power armor stands where you can store and work on your power armor. So they do make power armor a lot more special. It's it, it's also fun to show off all your suits of power armor. You know, just make a whole bunch of power armor stands, line them up, and then just go walk through your gallery of pretty power armor, which you can also change the paint on. So more customization there, which is always welcome. Yeah. Now I might be done talking about power armor. <laughs> Do we, I wish I could have uh, purple do, we talk, power armor. do we talk about the combat? Did I miss that? No, um, we didn't talk about the combat. I think I we just... talked about it, and suffice to say that it was improved. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of the subtle and welcome improvements that Bethesda had implemented. The ability oh, yeah. to use your iron sights, for one. And vats. Uh, yeah, vats was a little different. It Well, was it really all that different? I didn't yeah. play any other Fallouts, so I have no... Uh, in Fallout 3, I think Vats just outright stopped time. I, nah, I could be wrong. Right. It was stop time, you'd pick your shots, and then it would kind of, like, play through in a cutscene where you would, you know... The outcome well, that's of- kind of like Fallout 4, except it didn't really stop time. It just kind of slowed it down Yeah, it lot. just dilated time. Um, yeah. And this was a change New Vegas made, but Fallout 4 kept it, where you actually took damage when you were doing your uh, Vats animation. Which yes, makes sense because in Fallout Three, you just outright became immune to functionally immune to damage while you were in Vats. So you yeah. can kind of time it when that Deathclaw was about to take your head off. Oh, I entered Vats, so now I'm going to cheese your attack and shoot you in the face with a combat shotgun. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Fallout Four. Yeah, you still lose your head even if you're. In you Vats. still lose your head. I mean, the <laughs> the time is slowed down, but you can still see the claw coming at you. Yeah. So. So. They they improved the gameplay, I think, across the board which was much better, although apparently they had to do it at the cost of uh, watering down the RPG elements, but Bethesda giveth, Bethesda taketh away. <laughs> yes. Blessed be the name of Bethesda. But hey, you, you get to make shit, right? So it's totally fine. Just turn it into Minecraft. Yeah. I, I'm 100% okay with that. You get to make things look pretty. Yeah, I I just, uh, you know, I can tell you the power of crafting, right? That's what makes Dragon Quest Builders so awesome. Wife and I have been playing a crap ton of Starbound. Just oh, crafting yeah. is so much fun. I want a console port of Starbound super bad. Oh my uh, gosh, yeah. If it was on the Switch repo, it would be a day one purchase. Uh, anywho, well, uh, if there's <laughs> nothing else y'all can think of, would you say that... Uh, would you say that that twenty five dollars? It's at four dollars. Is it worth it? Should people go out and play it? Is it worth playing today? What's it is a no brainer. It, it still holds up. It's still fun. Yeah. If you like If you like first person shooting, fine. If you like uh, if you like building, fine. If you like if you, old school Fallout's, maybe not so much. They're the ones who. If, are, you, if you like, like exploring, I, 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 I love the exploration. Lines. 
if you like just picking up every piece of junk you find laying around. <laughs> like like me. Like, I picked up everything. Uh, I know my girlfriend likes picking up junk. She likes building. So she got a kick out of Fallout 4. You'll know she'll like never the beat story. it. Even though it didn't, it, they had a lot of loose ends, I still enjoyed it. I mean, the story was fine until the end. Until the end, and then you get witches. But, yeah. you know, it's fine. Yeah. It, it wasn't bad. It just could have uh, developed better. into something better. Yeah. So, yeah, 25 bucks. I mean, uh, let's put the caveat in that it's going to be Black Friday soon. Who knows what price you'll get it for in about a month. But if you're talking about just values, like dollars per hour, yeah. I mean, oh, I tend to... It's so cheap. I like to shoot for, like, at least one hour of gameplay per dollar I spend on a game. Fallout 4 will do so much better than that. Oh, yeah, there's, like, bucks. a billion hours of Fallout 4 you can so. play. Good on PC mods. Yes, good on PC with the mods. There are mods on PS4, too. They're just some don't work so Yeah, well. they're just, yeah, they're nowhere near as good as the PC mods, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, probably not even as good as the Xbox mod. PlayStation 4 is probably the worst console to play it on, even though that's the one I played it on. I also played it on that one, too, so... What are you going to do? I love my I'm playing it on Steam, and I presume there are mods if I want... Oh, yeah. Mods to make your character prettier, and to allow you to do more with your settlements, and just... Uh, the more boss, the merrier, I always say. <laughs> yes. UGD mod where they all run around naked. Yeah! Oh, of course. Look at the, uh, look at the time. All right, well, thank you all so much. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna take a break and we're gonna be right back with uh, you know what I mean. a long time. Crawl out through the fallout, cause they said this bomb was clean. If you cannot find the way, just listen for my song. I'll love you all your life, although that may not be too long. Crawl out through the fallout, baby. To my loving arms While those ICBMs keep us free When you hear me call out Baby, kick the wall out And crawl out through the fallout Back to me Cause you'll be the only girl in the world This is the CRPG Club, where we get to chit-chat about uh, PC, classic PC RPGs uh, that we're playing. We usually have a monthly list, but I started off this year with such a list, and I really haven't stuck to it at all. It was supposed to be the year of The Witcher. My friend was asking me, now that we're almost done with October, uh, how many Witcher games have you gotten through? And uh, I'm like chapter two of Witcher one still. I think I made a mistake in reading uh, all of the books before jumping into the games because I think I just got Witchered out before I even got started there. With that being said, I always find some computer RPGs from the way back when to keep me interested. 
and engaged and playing. So uh, for today's show, I want to talk about uh, God Eater Resurrection. So I've been talking so much about Monster Hunter lately. Uh, I put some time into a couple of its spin-offs, including uh, this one, which I played on Steam. Uh, God Eater uh, Resurrection is a re-release of the original God Eater Burst game that came out a long time ago. Um, but uh, the PC, I believe, was released on June 28, 2016. And it's an action uh, role-playing game uh, in the vein of Monster Hunter, but it's a completely uh, different setting. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic future type of deal where there's these uh, monsters known as Aragami, and they are basically taking over the world. Uh, but there are uh, a group of, of people, uh, god-eaters, that, um, that, that are standing up against these, these creatures. And unlike Monster Hunter, there's definitely more of a plot and a story going on here that you're going to be interested in. There's uh, quite a bit of uh, dialogue and exposition that happens throughout the whole game uh, in between the missions. And uh, it, it is pretty interesting. I definitely want to learn more about the world and, and what was going on there. Um, and it's very anime. So if you're in a Japanese-style art and storytelling you're gonna really enjoy that part of the game if nothing else now the the combat uh you got um a number of different weapons to pick from not nearly as many as the monster hunter you got i believe it was four like a big huge axe and a sword but you basically got a blade but you also get to pick from several different guns because your blade can change into a gun uh, on the fly Uh, you also got a shield and you use parts that you get from going out on these missions to upgrade uh, these different things. So uh, very, again, very similar to Monster Hunter, where you go out and farm them. Now, at the beginning of the game, you design how your character looks. And as you go through the game, you can unlock different clothing. Unlike the armor in Monster Hunter, the clothing is just aesthetic. And uh, you really don't have a whole lot of, of armor stuff going on that I can think of. But... Um, you do have the shield and, and the weapons that you are upgrading, but uh, you don't have like different pieces of armor, just aesthetic clothing that you'll unlock and buy as you go along and make your character look cooler for the most part. On top of that, you have some, you have other team members uh, that go out with you, and they will support you, and you do get, I believe you get to uh, choose what kind of skills they have, and and how they're set up for the next fight. So that that's pretty cool. And they do a pretty good job of holding their own in combat. So I felt that my time really wasn't wasted there. Um, but you definitely got different uh, uh, different ways you can set up your team, set up yourself as you go on and you fight these, these different creatures. Now, I played this with my brothers. I mean, one of the big draws of playing these uh, Monster Hunter type of games is to play with your friends to take down big and intimidating monsters and creatures. The challenge here, unfortunately, was the, the net code wasn't very good. We kept getting disconnected so many times. So we really, really wanted to play this. So we did all kinds of little tricks. We looked up things on the internet, but we could not get the multiplayer uh, to work very well. It was, it was very, very frustrating. Um, and we ended up giving up after numerous uh, attempts 
it is feasible that it has to do with the distance uh, um, the, the brothers I play with are on the other side of the world but uh, honestly we play plenty of other games without any issues and, and this was just a real real pain in the butt so that really took away from it when you're playing the game alone, uh, even with the AI teammates, it can feel a bit empty. Uh, it doesn't help that the battle arenas that you're in are pretty flat and generic-looking, post-apocalyptic, you know, generic-looking type of thing. So there's not a lot going on there. Unlike kind of like Monster Hunter, even the older Monster Hunters, where you're hunting in these lands that have some flora, some smaller monsters... Uh, that makes the place feel a little bit more alive. In God Eater, it just feels more like a, a set arena for you to just kind of fight the, these monsters in. The monsters are interesting and they're cool, and they can be uh, they can be pretty fun uh, to fight. But getting used to the control scheme as you switch between the the weapon and the gun uh, can be a bit difficult. Uh, it definitely takes some getting used to, and I don't. I, I believe there's no way to uh, set the controller however you would like. So that's a little frustrating. But if you can see past that and you don't mind playing these things in single player, uh, I could definitely recommend checking out uh, checking it out. But I would probably grab it on a sale or something. And, and the asking price for it uh, can sometimes be a little bit on the high side. It runs, um, let me see if I can find out here. So you can buy God Eater 2 Rage Burst, which comes with the first game, which sounds like an awesome deal until you realize it goes for $50. I would definitely wait for a Steam sale on this, uh, even if you're really into this kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's it's definitely worth waiting for a sale, and that way if it's not your cup of tea, you won't quite waste it uh, quite as much. Um, I just don't have too many friends who started playing and got hooked and played all the way through. Uh, and, and there is a third game. So if you like the first two, there's a third one uh, that does more of the same from what I understand, doesn't really move the needle any. Uh, but the, the series definitely uh, fe- looks looks like an older, uh, older series. Keep in mind that even though I mentioned this was released on the PC in 2016, the original games, I believe, go back to the PSP era. So uh, and they look like it. Uh, they're upresed a little bit, but but uh, and they definitely run uh, you know at a, a smooth frame rate from what I recall. But um, it's it's definitely uh, that's where some of those those uh, lower lower textures um, and low scenery type of backgrounds come from. The original release date of God Eater in Japan was February 4, 2010. Again, I think there's some other games that came out around that area that definitely showed you could do a lot more, even with the hardware at that time. Um, but hey, if you're just into killing the gigantic monster, you probably won't care how much the back or how boring the background looks. So go ahead and check that. You can grab that on Steam, and it's also, I believe, on certain consoles, but it's, uh, I played it off of Steam. If you uh, have any uh, PC games you would like to talk about, any classic RPGs, why don't you come on over to our Discord community. Head over to rpgamer.com, uh, and there's a community tab at the top, and pull that down, and you will find 
our Discord, a link for our Discord community. And if you join that, there's a channel called the CRPG Club where we're talking about uh, classic computer titles, uh, role-playing games, uh, of course. And uh, I don't want to give away too many details about my next game that I'm going to talk about next month that I started on recently. But if you're in that channel, you're getting some screenshots and chit-chat, so it's pretty easy to figure out what I'm playing. Uh, It is definitely a blast from the way back past uh, but brought up to a, a little bit, brought up to a modern era. So I'm very excited to talk about that uh, on some RPG backtrack that we'll record in November. I think we got another show coming up next week that we're going to record, and that's going to be too soon. But I'm looking forward to uh, sharing my thoughts on this old school game. We would also love to hear what you think about whatever computer, uh, classic computer game you're playing there in that channel. And if you want to reach out to me and uh, talk more about your favorite computer games that you're playing, your classic computer RPGs, uh, feel free to drop me a line either on Discord or drop me an email at jcserventrpgamer.com. I would love to read a paragraph or two about your favorite computer game that you're playing. I can read right here on the air during this segment. Or if you feel so inclined, you can even record up to five minutes. You can record uh, an MP3 of you just sharing your thoughts the way I just did here of a computer game that you're playing, that you're revisiting, or a classic computer role-playing game that you're playing for the first time. Hint, a hint, by the way, the game that I'm talking about in November, while it's a super old game, I'm playing it for the very first time. So that's always a, a fun perspective since there's no rose-tinted colored glasses going on there. But yeah, I would love to hear more from you. So uh, check it out, CRPG Club on Discord, or hit me up, jcservant at rpgamer.com, or on Twitter, at jcservant. I'd be happy to give you more details. All right, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back with the final round. If it whistles each time you pass a car that runs out of gas and it's time that you get half better watch your step it's a man if it acts just like it's the boss when it knows that you are of course if it gets a little rough thinks it's very tough it's a man if it walks if it talks if its habits are a little bit peculiar if it brags and tries to make you think it's wonderful be on the lookout don't let it fool you but if it's kneeling down on one knee saying darling please marry me then don't hesitate better name the date and then grab it the final lap where we read your comments we tell you what we're doing on the website and we make fun of new people on the podcast uh let's see here i am rude woo i am rude woo. uh what are we talking about oh yeah we're talking about this right uh stuff stuff uh so last podcast Dang it, Phil, about... i'm looking we don't have any comments no on the comments last episode on the episode so y'all just totally I... missed out 
I thought people bought Horizon Zero Dawn. What the heck? I guess the problem is is that it's a really great game, and we liked it, so there's not enough controversy. If we had said we hated it, or better yet, we threw a Final Fantasy game on here, and we didn't say it was the best game ever, we would have gotten So, Final Fantasy XV, my comment is some uh, rapport. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I, I think we will have some controversy on that one, although the whole game is controversial. I will defend it to the death. Yeah. I haven't played it, so I can't say a thing. Can't say a thing either. Uh, so, uh, but we'll... I, sure I know Jim Sterling really liked it. That's a, that's a discussion we're going to be having. Yes. Not so we'll, we'll save future, it for next so time. We'll save it. I can only hate on one game in a day. That's right. <laughs> today yeah. is devoted for another well, game. Well, Nathan, Nathan, let's let's establish here. Is Final Fantasy fifteen or Fallout 76 yes. more worthy of hate? Fallout 76 is way more worthy of hate because as much as I dislike Final Fantasy 15, at least I could play through the damn game without it crashing all the time. At the very least, it was technically Final Fantasy 15 didn't crash on me. No, I'm saying it didn't. That's it. It, oh, it okay. ran fine. Fallout 76, not so much. Oh, okay. And you probably have a more stable internet connection than I do, so mine would be even worse. I mean, it's okay, Mediacom, but yes, there's worse. There's there's DSL. There's suddenly. <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to praise my ISB too much. I'm not happy with that. I've seen I worse. Have, I have hey. building Wi-Fi, so I have it. Like Last month, my my internet stopped working for over a week. And I oh, couldn't okay. get I, it. Wouldn't work when I called Suddenlink's customer rep, and the next available person to come and do an in-person inspection nine days later. Wow! <laughs> then it magically started to work again two days before the appointment was scheduled to happen. Of course. Yeah, that somebody nice. didn't press the "give you internet" button. Apparently, no. Apparently not. Uh, where that bu- where that button is located and how to enact it on a regular basis would be very very handy things, but Suddenlink does not provide tutorials on that. <laughs> so 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 if you would like to leave your comments because somehow we really have digressed off the choo choo tracks here, uh, you can do so by going over to our. It all happened because nobody <laughs> left us comments on Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. See, we were filling empty space. If you don't leave us comments. We will comment on whatever we want. That's yeah, cool. like comment upon how practical <laughs> monopolies for utility services can be unhappy. I, I and how like... living in a apartment with building Wi-Fi sucks. Like this has gotten out of control. So you go to the podcast, <laughs> you go to rpgamer.com, click on podcast, then click on RPG Backtrack. Always leave your comment on the latest show that's listed there, even if you're talking about older shows, because we don't go back and read comments left on the old. So... There you go. Uh, let's do our little roundtable. This is where you talk about what you're doing on the website or what you're playing or whatever you want. And, oh boy, who can I put on the spot? Oh, I know. Noodles and Company. Ah. What are you doing? What's new with you? Uh, I got laid off from my job, so I'm not really doing much. <laughs> yeah, that's not a very good thing. No, I've just been looking for jobs. I my um, good friend got me a bunch of Final Fantasy games, so sometimes I so he got me Final Fantasy One. So I've been playing that on, on what on um, the Vita. Mm, okay, that's definitely about the prettiest version of it. That's yes. on the Vita. 
that's Isn't that the one with the song? What can I do for you? <laughs> so I that might, that might be that. the PSP version. Just okay. put on Vita. Um, but yeah, I started playing that, so that's exciting. Because I want to play all the Final Fantasy games. Because I'm such a fan girl. Ooh, are. If you get it through two and three, that will be impressive. Yeah, he also got me two and three. Okay, good luck with those. I played three and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you need to play it and beat it. You are not a true fan until you've beaten all of them. Which means that I'm not a true fan because I haven't beaten 13-2 or Lightning Returns or 15 at this point. I've only beaten 7, 8, 10, 12, 13, 13, 13-2... I actually haven't beat any Final Fantasy games, so I've played about five of them. Oh, me, oh my. But, oh you know, I'm following, I'm oh following in Mac Storm's footsteps, because Mac did a whole thing about playing every Final Fantasy game. Well, Mac's favorite them. was also Final Fantasy Four, so keep that in mind. To yeah. be fair, they don't really get started until 4. Like, the older Final Fantasies still have a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, you can tell. It's very Dungeons and Dragons. Them, yeah, yeah, we're very guided. Final Fantasy 1 in particular, yes. Yes, it's very D&D. 2? Two is not Dungeons and Dragons so much as it is. Hi, I'm Akitoshi Kawazu, and I will throw a whole bunch of weird stuff <laughs> in so that you can experience aggressively avant-garde RPG. Yeah, they kind of fade in and out of the uh, the Gygax influence right through Final Fantasy V. Like four is the first one that you can look at and go, "Oh, that's a Final Fantasy with the story and the characters and the stuff." Uh, yeah, and five is kind of a weird. I don't know. He reminded. I bought the game from uh, Clyde Mandolin. Press X to translate. Where he just <laughs> threw a machine translator at Final Fantasy IV. Oh my gosh! And. It's given some pretty funny spots. On the very back of the cover, there's uh, Paromu. The enema is saying that you should not wear a basketball. <laughs> well, that's an oddly insightful enema. <laughs> it is. But where did that basketball come from? The translator, there is no clue. There was nothing about a basketball in the original text in Japanese. That's so random. <laughs> it, it's a very funny book. Kind of, kind of worth seeing. Um, so yes, Final Fantasy IV, subjected to machine translation, it will give you many things, very little of which will have anything to do with what was originally intended. Nice, yeah. I, Random I, polarity is always a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm the, also the graphics person for RP Gamer, so I don't write hardly anything, because <laughs> I'm a terrible writer. I make pretty pictures and banners and stuff for our features. And if anyone wants to hire a graphics person, I got you. Um, I don't know if another site I work for needs a graphics person, but I think they mostly need writers, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good with words. <laughs> I mean, I can talk, but I, but writing them is just a whole different beast. Maybe you're one of the people who should get Grammarly. I only say that because I've gotten about 15 different ads for Grammarly in the last two days, and it's it's in my brain. The marketing has worked. Yes. It, it has worked to the extent that it is now a product I recognize. It is still not a product I am going to buy, although I suppose I have a better impression of it than I do of the Manscaped ads. Yeah. 
God. Are you talking about those YouTube ads where they're just like going on and on about different types of soap and Yes. I hate those with a burning passion. Like I need some <laughs> like I need some blonde jolly green giant telling me how I'm not masculine enough for using the wrong soap. I don't care if my soap has so Are you still using the soap that your mommy bought for you? No, I'm no, not. No, I'm using the soap that my girlfriend bought for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm and using the soap I bought for myself. Thanks very much. <laughs> I have learned soap is a good thing. I buy it because it is very, very useful. You know what? These but ads have one. You're still using the one your mother gave you. Like, okay, I don't have a very high opinion of things that are like manly and for men. The best, the most manly thing you can do is make up your own mind about what is good for you if you can like if you can let some weirdo tell you that you're not being manly enough for using the wrong soap that's about the least manly thing you can do oh man but, but <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know there was so much conspiracy ah! behind the soap that i buy until i saw that four minute right? commercial did know you know that half the ingredients they include is considered an industrial cleaner it was like yeah, the first time i saw that monthly sh- dollar shave club i didn't realize that razors were really cheap i just been paying all this money this whole time you know Did what? you know As... that most of the ingredients in soap are polysyllabic, so you'll have to stumble over them before you can successfully state them out loud? And here my here my cheap ass just bought like a twenty dollar electric razor a few years ago and used that to trick. I've been doing it all wrong. Apparently I'm supposed to be like overpaying and then going, oh, I'm overpaying, so I need to subscribe to Dollar Shave Club, which is still way more money than I pay on grooming. As the only female on this podcast. You guys are all very feminine. I thought you were going to say, you guys stink. You guys just because stink. I can smell you from here because you're not using you're not the using right the... soap. Yeah, you guys are all using, using soap. soap. Mommy gave you. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's right, too. I need to take a shower. <laughs> Alrighty. What, what, about, what, about, what about you, new guy? Uh, I'm not the new guy anymore. Yeah, well, yeah like I'm the new, new girl. Person. You're like new Don't guy. Don't you try number... to take her status away from her? Yeah, yeah. New guy number How... eight or something. I can't keep track of y'all anymore. How very dare you, sir? Yeah, I will not stand for you stealing her earned position as. The this new... was my 15 minutes of fame. I know. I'm gonna you have to demand you apologize. I feel like she was on the show like a long time ago. I was on the show a really, really long time ago. Yeah, so she's not really new. You're, you're oh. I was on the I was on the Final Fantasy Eleven art uh, backtrack. Okay, was... so I guess we're tied since this is my second one. Um, oh man, unlike usual, I've actually been pretty busy for once. I got a review copy of The Outer Worlds for another site I work for, and pretty much the review copy was to get a leg up on a guide I'm planning to write, but I also did a review. The Outer Worlds is great. Um, not going to mention the other site or the review because it's a bit of a conflict of interest, but I did play through The Outer Worlds uh, over the course of about five days and thought it was fantastic. I've also been playing the first two Dragon Quest games on the Switch because I love Dragon Quest, but I've never really played the older ones, so I kind of have to back up my claim of loving Dragon Quest by... Playing some of the old ones, which I've done, and oh crap! Dragon Quest One you can complete in a few hours. I I completed it in a single day. And Um, and Dragon Quest Two, a little rough, is not nearly as bad as Final Fantasy Two. That one is taking a bit longer. Uh, They innovated by adding a party to that game, 
Unfortunately, they kind of just like divided all the things that your main character in the first game could do between three characters and jacked the encounter rate through the roof, so it's a good bit more tedious than the first game. I'm going to say the first game was better, but uh, yeah. I haven't gotten to three yet. We'll see when I find the time to do that. I've also been playing the enhanced editions of the Infinity Engine games that were ported to console. Uh, Have you guys done an RP backtrack on Baldur's Gate? If so, you need to do another one. If not, you need to do one. Uh, I... I know we've mentioned it, but I don't think we've ever had an episode devoted <gasps> entirely to it. So, yes, that apparently needs to happen. Yeah, Phil, it has to happen before Baldur's Gate three, at least. Phil, um, can, can we do that? Can we do such a thing? Well, I've yeah, I've I've completely played through one like a couple of times, and I I need to finish two. Two, two. Shirley and I started playing it and got about halfway through, and then when we went down to hell, she got really scared, and we stopped playing. So I need to go back to that. The, I'm playing the, Baldur's Gate right now as we speak. The, the spaces, the spouses who go to hell together, stay together. Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, that's where they separate. Apparently, I'll wow. do. Any, she'll do anything for love, but she won't do that. She won't literally go to hell. I say that that is just inconsiderate of her as heck. So you let her know that, Phil. How dare your wife not want to go to hell with you? Uh, like, right? She's like, but she's like the nicest person ever. So I don't blame her. Go to hell for you. And she, and she plays the harp. <laughs> and, you know. She plays the harp? Wow. She's, she plays it beautifully. And, you know, the earth needs that. <laughs> hell doesn't need any harp playing. Hell doesn't need any hard playing. <laughs> that, wow. that has to be the episode stinger right there. Wow. Hell doesn't need any Like, I thought my comment that uh, that was an insightful enema would be the stink- stinger, but I'm going to go with Hell doesn't need a hard play. Uh, I think somehow I got roped into doing reviews for these games for RP Gamer, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, in fact, I was just talking with Alex about it, and he said he had to do pencil down for all four EEs. Oh, uh, wow. Just, I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing all those get knocked out in the next few weeks. Oh, yeah, that's 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 going to happen. Just um, knock those bad boys out. I mean, if you're going to hold your breath, you might want to invest in a bit of an oxygen tank, but I... We'll see, we'll see. Just keep them on. I'm sure I'll get done with one review of that. Just play some background music at a time will go by fast. What can I do for you? I I have 99 Platinums, and Baldur's Gate is going to be 100. Because someday, someone will look at my PlayStation trophies, like, in 100 years. They'll be like, wow. And you will be the subject of it. Baldur's Gate, that was a good choice. (laughs) You will be the subject of an intensive archaeological expedition upon video game trophy earnings. They'll, they'll they'll have a whole dissertation. Somebody will write a doctorate on it one day. They'll be like, number thirty was my name is Mayo. This gate, this guy's kind of lame. But number one hundred is Baldur's Gate. Man, that's weird. That's some conflicted now. Uh, but yeah, other than that, still playing some Fire Emblem, and uh, my girlfriend's playing it right now. Wait, but she's slowly which catching Fire up. Emblem? Three houses. Okay. Still still messing with that one. Um, you you could have just decided to take out an older one. There are plenty of them. Yes, I well I did buy uh. Conquest and Awakening, but those are not anywhere near on the horizon. I also bought Devil May Cry 5 and Resident Evil 2, which are just going to take up shelf space for a while. I'm bad with money, people, but that's what I'm working on. Oh, yeah, and uh, got a nice, long, lovely speech to have later in the day about uh, the Outer Worlds and Fallout 76. That'll be fun. Wait, 
how can you directly compare the Outer Worlds and Fallout 76? <laughs> I, do, I don't think that's very fair, considering... One works and the other doesn't? Uh, yeah. I could also <laughs> say that they're aiming at completely different things, and one of them apparently succeeds at what it aims for, and one of them doesn't succeed at what it aims for. Well, see, I'm, I'm not saying that they're, like, analogous games. I just want to do a harmless compare and contrast. <laughs> and since Fallout 76 decided that they're going to poke the bear by putting in ranger armor, coincidentally, two days before the Outer Worlds launches, they're just begging to draw that comparison. It's not like uh, Obsidian kind of low-key put the words from the original creators of Fallout and Fallout New Vegas on the Outer Worlds intro trailer. Uh, and it's not and as if the directors character. of Outer Worlds had something to do with earlier Fallouts? Not at all, yeah, right? I mean, I've never heard of Tim Kane before. I don't know any of these. And yet, so. I suppose you might want to mention Fallout New Vegas just in passing. As I, I mean, you know, I... I like to try to give a little bit of background context when I'm talking about games, so I guess I twist my arm, might need to mention Fallout New Vegas when it comes to Obsidian a little bit. Even though it does seem a little kind of off-topic, but... I think you can make the the case and justify it. I, I think that can be done. Well, it's not like a real big professional podcast or anything, so no one will really care if I'm playing a little loose with things. So. Well, we we know that it doesn't even matter if you're playing loose. You can just spew whatever random things together you want, and some people will think that that's the greatest thing you could ever do. Spew random things together. I think that should be the new name of the podcast, honestly. <laughs> I thought that was Q&A Quest. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> That other RP Gamer podcast. Well, if Mr. Apps was here, he could debate it, but, oh, wait, I, I think he has some good news in his family, so, yeah, he, he's not here. Plus, I don't think he played Fallout 4, so he'd be kind of silent anyway. Ah, family. Not like he brought a new person into the world or anything. Nah, nothing like that. <laughs> What's new with I you, Mr. Me? Um, well, let's see here. Okay, I have gotten further into Grimshade since last we spoke. And last time we spoke, Discord was being extremely uh, unhappy with me, so we, I didn't get to say a whole lot. Grimshade. Grimshade is an interesting game. I think you would like it at least in part, Phil, because the combat is very interesting. Your guys are on one side, the enemies are on another and there is a very strong tactical component to it. Hmm. Uh, you don't have MP or anything like that. Instead, you have something called tension. And each thing you do, aside from just waiting, uses tension. And if you max out on tension, guess what happens? Oh, you your character just spazzes out for a turn and sits there completely defenseless. So you, you don't want to do that very often. And, yeah, I'm enjoying the combat. I'm enjoying the exploration. However, it came. It is a Russian-developed game. I forget the studio right now. The localization, while understandable, is not anywhere close to flawless. So there is a lot of questionable wording. Think about this: if you're if Charlie is aiming at the square and the enemy moves, then the preparation of Charlie will be ruined. You don't want that to happen, don't you? <laughs> Uh, that's oh, on a load screen, so I've seen it numerous times. But there are plenty of examples 
you'll understand what's going on, but the language used is not particularly appealing if you don't feel like going into the, and finding the original Russian and just running with that, which I can't because I don't read the Cyrillic alphabet. <laughs> so also the story is, seems to be going in, in interesting places, but again, it can take a little while. And there are some books on screen that apparently flush out the world more, but the text on them is so tiny that I just can't be bothered because that means I have to get close to my monitor and squint at it, which I don't enjoy. But I'm enjoying it on the most part, and I, I really can't hate a game that manages to squeeze the Wilhelm scream in there somehow. It actually has a seashell. The death knell of a famed warrior was somehow placed into this object. And every time you click on it, you hear the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> okay, that that's probably worth a buy, right? And I also want to applaud it because it's it has created something original. There's no recycled assets in here. I don't know why I would think of recycled assets on Steam. That that completely has nothing to do with anything. And even with its problems, and there are some, the it sometimes has long load screens. I'm not really sure why. There was a quest that I could not complete. I tried several times, and after going through the battle, it uh, the game just it didn't crash, but it took me to a never-ending load screen. So I was unable to complete that quest. Unfortunately, I'm I'm enjoying it on balance, though. I just can't play it for long stretches at a time because it's a very mouse-heavy game, and I've kind of lost the ability to just sit close up to the monitor with a mouse for many hours at a time. It's I totally, totally understand that feeling. Right. But that is that will be my next review title, unless I finish Hexy's Force first, which at the rate I'm plunking away with it is probably not going to happen. Hexy's Force, I can't even remember why I picked it up right now. It's something that I can play, and it's kind of weird, but it's also not very interesting. I, I feel weird that it has such a strange crafting system where you apparently have to kill things. You have to overkill them in order to get some of the best items. And without them, you can't make the equipment because you can't buy anything. You have to make it from the stuff that you find. And it's a weird game that I kind of see why nobody talks about much anymore. It came out either nine or 10 years ago and it's, now one of the forgotten Sting games, and I kind of see why. And I was stupid enough to buy it, so now I feel like I play it and have to play it and give it a present perspective. Yeah, and I remember, from what I remember of that in review, it's kind of the going sentiment. It's a seemingly interesting combat system that, maybe because the encounters are kind of aggravating, where if something spots you, it will pursue you for a long time, and if you don't feel like fighting, that's kind of annoying. And they also respawn the instant you go back into a room that you've already been in. Not when you leave the dungeon, when you go back into a single room. That's also annoying. But I'm, I've am i sunk enough time into it now that I intend to persevere. It's just not the kind of thing that I, keep, that I frequently remember to whip out and play at break. Instead, I'll usually go for a walk with a co-worker or something. Which is probably healthier for me, but it doesn't help me produce content for the site, unfortunately. Um, and aside from Fallout 4, which I think we have, we may have mentioned already tonight, I 
my memory's getting pretty bad my elder years. So yeah, I'm passing. Okay, good, good. Thank you, thank you for confirming. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's that's about all the gaming that I've been doing lately, and I've instead been. What the hell have I been doing? What have I been doing with myself? What have you been doing with your life? You're you're having an existential crisis right here on the podcast. No, I've just put five years of my life into this into the county bureaucracy. What am I doing? All oh, right, it's st- it's a steady job, and I actually like the people I work with. So sure, that, that's fine. Right. But but I also don't think it would be a very good idea to play games while I'm at work. That especially not on the work time. That's that's not good. No, that doesn't help your future career possibilities out any. Uh, yeah. What else is there? Mm, not that much, except mm, I have not signed up for Disney Plus yet. What, what I don't are you know. thinking? What are you thinking? I'm I'm not entirely sure. I know that without Disney Plus, I won't be able to see all of the Disney library, which consists of a pretty big chunk of content now. Well, I mean, I mean, Hannah Montana alone is worth it. I mean, come on, Phil. Did you not know? There's a Lady in the Tramp remake, and it's only on Disney Plus. Right? Why aren't you? Wait, on there's a remake. Uh huh. That's disturbing. And it's a combination of real and CG dogs. That's really disturbing. <laughs> and it's only on Disney Plus. Oh man, I must get that right now. Only on Disney Plus. Without it, you can't complete all of the Disney remakes that we've gotten this year. And there are more coming. There's the Mulan remake coming next year. Wait, the there's a Mulan? What? what? Yep, sure is. In fact, the lead, the, the lead got into trouble a couple months ago when she said something on Twitter supporting China over Hong Kong because she had to get into that. Oh, my gosh. And and there's a Little Mermaid remake in the works. It's going to no, happen. No, stop yes. it. It's going to be your world. I can't, wait till no. they put a, I can't wait till they put a 14-year-old in that seashell bra thing and see how far <laughs> that gets. Oh, my God. That'll, that'll totally fly. There's a Sword in the Stone remake in the works. Stop it! Just stop talking. There's a Snow White remake in the works. A Pinocchio remake in the works. Spoiler, his notes get longer. (laughs) Disney's remaking its Hunchback of Notre Dame. Did they just run out of ideas and thought, hey, let's remake all of our movies. No one is going to do better than Tony Jay as Judge Frollo. Never. Never ever. Well, that's true, but we're probably... Get- I'm waiting for the Pocahontas remake. That'll be fun. Don't don't even, don't speak to me anymore. <laughs> um, well, you know oh, we Mike, got I have remade a this year. I have a question for you, Mike. Can you see uh-huh. with all the colors of the wind? I was such I, a huge fan know. of that movie when I was a kid. Can, I'm not sure if I can paint with all the colors of the wind or... Maybe my animal all, friends will need to help all me. All you'll, all, all you, all you'll have is Earth until you learn to paint with all the colors. Of- I have no comeback to that. <laughs> You're a bad person. <laughs> You're a bad person. How dare uh, you? Oh, and it's not a remake technically because Emma Stone is just going to play Cruella. <sighs> See, what it's is- not a remake. She's going to be Cruella. <laughs> 
how so that we can learn the the wonderful story of how Cruella Deville came to hate puppies so much. I don't care because she's evil and no, she hates no, puppies. No, no, we have to know her deep motivation. Did anyone I don't want to. I wonder why she hates puppies so much. Why does she want a Dalmatian coat? There has to be some character development we're missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to flesh this crap out. Yeah. We ran out of all the other ideas. You know what would be really cool is if they just made that an RPG instead. You know, like you just oh played her. And, then we'd be and... forced to talk about it. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's cool. And then you get to choose what kind of fur she likes after she goes through an event that makes her hate dogs. Well, you know, what we haven't seen yet is a remake of Song of the South. I don't know. I don't know why. No, I can't imagine. Because it's... And- Look, okay, no. look, don't bring up politics. I don't want to hear about Hong Kong. I'm just anxiously awaiting BlizzCon and don't want any of this stuff oh, to get involved in my I'm, I'm waiting for BlizzCon, too, because I, yeah, I'm going to have my popcorn and my Coke I'm sure there will, Oh, yeah, me too. I'm there will be nothing that. political at BlizzCon because Blizzard has done such a good job of staying apolitical lately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing good job. I really do like Diablo, and and I'd be excited for Diablo Four. That would be the thing I'm looking forward to. But nope, nope. Now I'm just waiting for the fireworks. Yeah. I'm here to watch it. They announce it, and they don't do any like real money auction house, and like just best case scenario, it's going to be on consoles on launch. You'll be able to just play it with your friends. They're great. They're not going to nickel and dime you. I live in a fantasy world. I yeah, I'm totally, like, what are you talking about? I will totally go out and buy that game, despite everything Blizzard has done, the second I can find it used. Yeah, keep keep no. in mind that the full name of the company is Activision Blizzard. Oh, there's our, there's our I can never forget that. No, Activision Blizzard. And remember that Bobby Kotick has said in the past that he would raise the prices of games over $60 if he thought the market would take it. Come on. Nobody in their right mind is spending more than 60 bucks for Take Me Home! West Virginia! Well, <sighs> that's Bethesda. Oh, sorry. I don't know where that came from. That you know, they can, they can Get roll... your gaming companies right. They can roll that 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 uh, Diablo four out with everything you all the good things you just said and everything like that, and people are still not going to care. They're going to remember this BlizzCon for one thing and one thing only. Okay, That's look, carnage, carnage. Don't you guys have phones? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> don't you guys have free speech? Don't you have? Yeah, don't you have free speech? There you go. Come on, is police yeah. brutality a real hang up? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh, it's just going downhill. Anything else, Mike? <laughs> mm, nothing else relevant. How's that? Yeah, I've done a pretty go. bad job of keeping it relevant as we are, so let's stop while I'm not as far down as I could be. I blame literally everybody else for my bad. Except for me. Well, you should. Okay. Yay! We, we live in a, in a society, people, a society where influencers exist. And we are completely absolved of all responsibilities because that society has things that are full of influence. Good right. job. Mike, Mickey, the influencer. I want to be an influencer. I can be an influencer on uh, animals, Hawkeyes, and purple. Purple? Yes. You're just I an influencer have a over an entire who will dispute color? you with that. She, she prefers to be the influencer of purple. I'm sorry. Purple is the best color ever. In I didn't know that was a thing. The yeah. history of colors. Okay. Yes. Like, humans have three rods and cones in their eyes, and I think, like, the bullet shrimp has 16, 
So there are colors you don't even know about, so you're just going to have yeah, to Yeah, and everything out. that's a shade of purple is better than you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, so uh, as I kind of hinted to in the CRPG clip section, uh, kind of like what Mike said, I haven't had a lot of time uh, to play at the computer, and then when I do get some time, I don't play at the computer because I don't want to sit in front of a keyboard and mouse. I've been working a lot lately, and that's what I do for my living. So I kind of feel a little uh, bad that I'm kind of like our CRPG club champion, but then I don't want to play on the computer because of my job uh, lately. So I've been putting a little bit more time on the consoles and playing a lot of Monster Hunter. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter. We were talking about this on Twitter. Uh, back in the old days, it's, speaking of Baldur's Gate, great example. Remember back in the old days when games had full-on expansion packs, not DLCs, yes. like full-on expansions packs that would really yes. revitalize and extend the enjoyment you would get out of a game. Uh, that's what Iceborne has done to Monster Hunter World. And we, it's been so long since I've seen something like that before where you pay like a $30 or $40 and you get this incredible extension uh, to hey, the game. Blood and, and wine. Blood and wine. There you go. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and Witcher does uh, does uh, expansion. You know, it's kind of borderline DLC expansions because, uh, yeah, Blood and Wine is pretty full-blown. Uh, some of those are like six hours, four hours. But Iceborne... Oh my gosh, is it beefy. Oh my goodness gracious. And it really fleshes out the roster and gives you another, depending on how you play, your play style of how you like to grind up and stuff, anywhere from another, you know, 25 to 100 hours easy of content, maybe more. Because um, I haven't even scratched the surface of the uh, in game of the expansion stuff. So uh, incredible what they've done with that. Uh, yeah. Speaking of tactical. You know, uh, RPGs like uh, Grimshade there, which, uh, yeah, I bookmarked that now, Mike, that you mentioned. I don't know how it passed underneath my radar before, uh, but uh, that's usually kind of right up my alley type of thing. So now it's on my wish list. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I went ahead and added it in there. Um, I'm still, I I just got through downloading the last recommendation you told me about uh, Skyward's, uh, I want to say Skyward's, or too much Zelda on the brain. Um, You can't get that on your PC. No, something new. Um, Let me rephrase, you can't get that legally on your PC. There you go. There it is. There you go. Uh, what's that game uh, called? Moon and Su- uh, the Moon and Sun. Oh, um, the one that you put like three hundred hours Rainbow into Moon. Vita- Ra- Rainbow Moon. Rainbow Skies. Rainbow Skies. Yeah, yeah. So I got my Vita up and running again. Uh, did I mention the battery issue I was having with that? I think you might have. So my my original, I have the original one thousand OLED Vita that I don't want to give up for anything because the screen is so beautiful. Uh, you don't get that in the 2000, 3000 series. But the battery was, was getting worse and worse. Like, you'd play it for an hour, and I would start getting battery warnings. But those battery warnings would go on for an hour and a half. It would just turn on and off and on and off. And the Vita, the way it tells you about batteries, is really irritating. So uh, I went ahead and ordered a new battery on Amazon and watched a YouTube video. And 25 minutes later, it, it's all put back together, getting working. And somehow I didn't manage to break any small pieces inside. So I'm very proud of myself uh, that my Vita has a new battery battery and it's all alive again it's got a second yay! piece on life yay vita so uh yeah i think those are uh, two uh there's some excellent tactical rpgs to have on there to complement my wealth of drpgs that i have going on but uh speaking of drew uh, uh grim uh what would you call it with shade grim shade yeah grim shade drew yeah, these compound words are just crazy with these mm-hmm. tactical games druid stone druid stone the secret of minor forest have i talked about that one before doesn't immediately ring a bell. 
So you want to check that out, because that's another tactical kind of RPG thingy uh, that I started putting some time into last month. Uh, before my life got hectic and I decided I didn't want to sit at a computer to play video games anymore. But now, so it's a tactical... I, I want to use the term RPG a little loosely here, and here's why. If you look at the screenshots, it looks very similar to, let's say, a Final Fantasy Tactics meets XCOM. Uh, there's a story there, but there's dialogue. I, there, there might be dialogue choices, but they're very minor if there are. Uh, you're choosing which missions you do and what order. There's some equipment. There's definitely skill selections you go go through it. But, but it's pretty on the light side. It really is more about the tactical approach that you're taking in combat having the biggest uh, impact. Maybe which of the skills you bring into battle with you, because you can kind of switch those up beforehand. But I'm looking at a screenshot right now, and you'll see, like, your, you know, each of the characters' health are represented by hearts, and it's like 7, 8, uh, 12. That's, like, the max hit points you end up with in the game. You don't, you just don't get that many hit points, because it's really about carefully planning out what you do, and being careful about every hit. And in a couple of ways, it can come across like a puzzler sometimes. It kind of reminds me of uh, by the makers of FTL. What's that game? The tactical game? This, this, it's a very popular game. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Into the Breach. So if you played Into the Breach, kind of a same thing there with Into the Breach where there's very few hit points. You, you know, everything does like one or two points of damage, three tops. You have anywhere between three and seven hit points tops because it's really about making sure you don't take any more hits than you have to, right? But taking a hit here or there may be part of your strategy, but it's going to hurt. Um, so in a way, those things come across a little bit more tactical and puzzly than, than RPG-E, if that makes sense. So, in other yeah, words, it's, in Druid Snow, you're not just going to level up past your problems. Yeah, Grimshade doesn't even have levels. Oh. But what it does have is a very intense inventory, where... If you have this weapon, then you have access to these things. If you use this one instead, then you have access to these moves. And there are a couple of them that have different elemental affinities, and certain enemies are naturally weak. Monster Hunter! Oh my gosh, that's what it is. Like, there's no real level-up stats in Monster Hunter. Everything's based on your armor and your weapons that you get from the monsters. Well, you don't get the weapon. You don't get anything from the monsters. You get it oh. from finds or buying it or being given it, yeah. That'd be really cool if there's like a JRPG that was turn-based that's kind of based on... I mean, there is Monster Hunter stories, don't get me wrong, but that's more like a Pokemon game. But it'd be kind of cool if there was like a JRPG that was kind of based... Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, so Druidstone. And gonna be uh, playing... I'm really in the mood for, for Dungeon Crawlers, which is another hint for something I mentioned earlier on the CRPG Club, but I've just been in the mood for good old-fashioned, no-nonsense dungeon crawlers, especially the ones that don't Oh, I get it. You're going to go real retro. We've never had anybody who's a veteran of the earliest wizardry, so you're going to start with wizardry one. You're close. You're close. Ooh, you're very warm. Might and magic? Oh, so warm. Oh, so warm. Ultima? A few years later, but not too many more years later. Gold box? Mm, couple more think, years from that, I think. If I think I Phil my... has plenty of gold box experience. Yeah. Well, no, you can never have too a, much. This is a first time experience for for me. So mm, Quest for Glory? It's a CRPG no. stumper. No, it's it's definitely a dungeon crawler. Oh, Quest for Glory so Yeah. But you know, if you know me, I'm not a huge fan of the puzzle mechanics because they always make you feel stupid because I am stupid. Uh, but I don't want to feel like I'm stupid. So, 
But, I, you know, I really like dungeon crawlers that don't have too many of the whole, you know, pick up a vase and then put it on a sensor pad over there to make an elevator work over here. I'm okay with the fact that, hey, you found a red key, there's a red door somewhere. But that's pretty damn obvious. But when they get into these adventure story, like, you know, like the, the point and click adventure games and they add a little bit of that to your dungeon crawlers, you have to find certain things, put them together and then put them on a pedestal and pull the lever in order to make the eyes light up and take the lid up eye and put it over. Nah, no, I'm just... That was part of my problem with Dark Spire. Stupidly. Anywho, uh, again, sure we, again, again, Dark Spire has been raised. I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> why do we keep doing this, why Phil? Why do we keep torturing ourselves? Um, but anywho, well, well, we'll find out. As I mentioned, I will. I, I should be fully prepared to talk mm-hmm. about that in November. Uh, so I'm looking forward to sharing that on a CRPD Club segment. Uh, but any, but hey, as I mentioned before, if you guys are following us in Discord, there's really good hints there in our CRPG Club channels. Don't you guys go look now. Spoil it for everybody. All right. Uh, but other than that, uh, we will be definitely spending some time on my Switch. And in preparation for that, I downloaded a whole bunch of gift cards that, that I had on tap, uh, including Torchlight 2, because that sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to play on the go. And Banner Saga Trilogy, speaking of tactical kind of RPGs, I heard that one's pretty good. Let me know how Torchlight 2 plays on console, because I've been eyeing that. So far, so far, so good. I've, I've only put like 30 minutes into it. I mean, it is a little small on the, the Switch screen because I've been playing in handheld a lot. And then I got some, because I'm really, really in the mood for dungeon crawlers. You know, the, 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 the dungeon crawlers on the Switch are painfully limited. <laughs> painfully limited to some questionable titles that I will not admit that I may or may not have bought. Uh... Do you have Labyrinth of Refrain? Is that what it's I, called? I do have Labyrinth of Refrain. Now that one, I I, started, I play I put like four or five hours into it, and the first dungeon has already stumped me. And I kind of <laughs> eyeballed an FAQ, but generally speaking, when like it's a puzzle stump too. It's not like a monsters are tough and you need to level up stump. It's it's a you just don't know where the beep to go next. Yeah. And and when a dungeon does that to me on the first floor, a game does that to me on the first floor of a dungeon. I shudder to think what goes on in later floors in terms of puzzly mechanics, and I'm just like, here's a middle finger, you win. I just, I don't want to play a game constantly going through a, a nothing against what you do. I love FAQs, but I can't stand <laughs> playing a game with one open up on a separate computer screen. Going back to what Mike said, like, when I'm stressed out, I just want to sit down and play a game, or half the time, especially with the Switch, I'm not at a place where those things are easy to get to. I can't look up a 300-page FAQ on my cell phone easily. So yeah, I, I just... I'm sitting here on my couch. I have two computer monitors right in front of me, and then just above them, my 55-inch TV a few feet away. Mm-hmm. So I'm way you too much... You got the full setup? Way, way too much stuff going on. And I totally, like, sometimes when I'm working on video games, I just have to stop, take a break, and go play a video game. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, that's what <laughs> I just want to do. I just want to play a video game, but I don't mind looking things up once in a blue moon. I mean, you have to do that with Monster Hunter, especially if you're playing Generations Ultimate. Thank, thank yeah. you all who do FAQs and websites and things like that for, for, for Generations Ultimate. It would, it would be you're very welcome. difficult for me to play without it. Phil, but, uh, you mentioned things that you weren't eager to admit that you bought. I saw you talking about something with Anna a couple days ago. Oh, don't let it be Omega Labyrinth. Anna? Like from Frozen? Do you want to build a snowman? You remember that Frozen 2 is coming out next month, right? 
Uh, isn't that live action one too? Nope. No. Oh, okay. Then no, it's Frozen okay. Two, not a remake of Frozen with live actors. <laughs> no, I just saw a screenshot. I just the only my only knowledge of Frozen Two was something I saw and had a picture, and it looked like a real actress and not like a animated deal. Uh, it might have been just. It was just a still image. Okay. Well, but fine. no, that you were bringing up for some reason that a sequel on the Switch to something that you bought for me earlier this year, something involving fairy tales. Is this ringing any bells with you, Phil? Or have you have you deliberately placed this this horrendous thing so deep within your subconscious that? Only direct mention will bring it out again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think you, you sound like you really like this game. You know, I think Mike <laughs> had a really great experience. <laughs> I can hear it in his voice. Does yeah. no bitterness at all. Wow. With this ability to read people, you should go into politics. <laughs> Wait, we're supposed to talk politics. I'm not saying you should talk politics. I'm saying you should go into politics because you're so good at reading people. (laughs) What are the best uh, DRPGs on the Vita? So your choices are... (laughs) Funny you should ask. I heard you you mention that a while ago. As far as I can tell, you have three choices. The aforementioned... uh, uh, What did you call it again? You just said it, the name, earlier. We were talking about it. What was it? Refrain. Covenant of Refrain? Right? Covenant of Refraid, Moiro Chronicles H, or Hyper, and (laughs) (coughs) Merskiller. I think you forgot a numeral. Two! (laughs) But it comes Mm -hmm. with one. It comes with the beauty, the the, the artmanship, the, the, the excellent execution that is known as the first game. The first game in which you have blood sprayed over women and you are expected to use the Vita's touchscreen to rub the blood off of their bodies. You know, well, how nice of you. While, while they moan. You know, from, from what I understand, though, Mike, in re-releasing it, they have made improvements. Oh, really? Please, yeah. go on. Yeah, I just, you know... Um, very, very big improvement, uh, stuff. Um, oh boy. You know, stuff. Uh, for example, the dungeons are, the dungeons are smaller because apparently they were really, really big, like so big that it was a little bit of a downer. I mean, we all like our big dungeons, but not when they're like obscenely big. I, That's I wouldn't necessarily have minded them being big just if they were more interesting. Yeah. You can well, have a big dungeon if it's an interesting dungeon if it's just plodding around and constantly finding oh well there was absolutely no reason to go over here there's it was just a waste of my time thank you game well this is true uh you know i i'm a big fan of under mountain which is like one of the biggest dungeons ever designed for for dnd and it, a lot of love into that to sh- you know like yeah yeah you can have a really huge dungeon if, if you put all the time in. oh yeah so i found the changes for mary skelter nightmares i'll run these by you mike and you could tell me whether you think in your head after you what you've been through if these would would make a, a notable difference you you know hypothetically right in your experience okay number one dungeon map size adjustment the size of the dungeon maps have been slightly adjusted from the original game well I think we've already talked about that 
Uh, yeah, they yeah we did. they they were not particularly interesting dungeons, and it may be unfair to compare them to Etrian Odyssey, but since those dungeons have things that you need to go back and visit later, being unable to put a note on the dungeon here, I want to come back and deal with this later. That is a significant problem for me. And I can speak to this. I blundered around trying to remember, where the hell am I supposed to be going to get to the next dungeon? Before I finally caved and looked around and, wait, I was supposed to go there? Thanks, game. That was, so, yes. Okay, okay. Merely, merely trimming a few extra sp- extra squares off of the map is not going to help that. Okay, here we go, here we go. Uh, automatic feature added to the jail roulette. After receiving feedback that the jail roulette system sometimes obstructs the battle temple, a setting to turn manual or automatic either on or off has been added. Okay, that's potentially useful. The jail the jail thing will come up, and you can't get rid of it until you play the slot. And sometimes you will be trying to get a certain result because you need it, and you freaking won't come up because uh, the, the whole jail freaking rewards thing is annoying now this is what's really gonna you know get your crawl a little bit two times the balance adjustment period and debug work period in order to balance the game and make it more enjoyable more than twice the amount of balance adjustment time has been taken over the original game also the same approach with debugging so that many bugs that appeared in the original game have been eliminated more than twice the amount of debugging has been done over the original so i mean if they, it was that, more balance because balance was an issue right that's a a claim that I cannot evaluate without seeing exactly what it entails. Right. Okay, you did more debugging. Well, debugging in and of itself doesn't tell me a thing. What was debugged? What changed? You can tell me that you spent 5,000 hours debugging the thing, but if it didn't amount to any final changes, then it's a worthless number. Yeah, so that in and of itself, I have... That's useless. Various features added to the warehouse. Uh, various features have been added to the warehouse, including a sort function, the ability to use gift items as they are in the warehouse, and materials necessary for quests are counted in the warehouse. Okay, that is actually useful. Having, you remember the list I went through? The stupid, mm-hmm. boring romantic novels, the mm-hmm. the, the flat basketballs, the, the broken fidget spinners, whatever. Having all of that crud take up... Why would you take that into a dungeon when you can't even give it to people in the dungeon? It's just sitting there uselessly. So, okay, that is that is a useful change. The quest system, which gave off a plain feeling, has been enhanced. Not sure how it got uh, enhanced. I'm not sure I want to know how it got enhanced. Uh, I can't speak. Most of the quests were kind of, here, go kill this number of things. Go get this number of things as rewards. Go... Go sate the jail's hunger this many num- this many times, but I, I suppose you could make that more interesting. Jail roulette entries have been renewed as to further enjoy the nature of the game. Additionally, the conditions for the appearance of growth areas have changed. Rather than by luck, growth areas can be unlocked during standard play. Well, that yeah, that's that's necessary. I like to. Th- I honestly have managed to purge this. I don't remember if it was required anywhere, but for every freaking floor, it seemed like in the jail, you had to play the jail roulette and hope that you would hit the thing that lets you expand the floor. Mm. Because until you do that, the rest of the floor won't be unveiled. Oh. Now, I don't think this was ever necessary 
to get through the mandatory portions, but uh. I know, I know there were some quests that where it was mandatory where I can't get to this floor you're talking about. Well, yeah. That's because the connection to the floor won't come up on the damn jail roulette. That is that's that's just bloody that's just bloody maddening. Even if there wasn't a, a, a quest tied to it, that would still tick me off because the whole like the main draw of playing a DRPG aside from maybe leveling up is exploring the dungeon. And if it's all tied to fucking luck, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and in case it doesn't give you any pictures, the jail roulette works this way. It looks kind of like a Simon Says where you're just going over five flashing panels quickly in a row and you have to hit at the right panel and it's uh, timing. Uh, yeah, that's stupid. Uh, now, if you're in the right cycle because the jail has three different cycles, then it will move more slowly so you can probably get it if you have good reactions. But maybe you don't have good reactions so yeah. you still won't get it. <laughs> that's the whole, too bad. Oh, that's so stupid. That's the whole reason like I play DRPGs too is because I'll go to a DRPG when I want something that doesn't require a lot of reflex because I can take it at my own pace. They're always turn-based, right? Um, Don't you remember the the thing that requires much more reflex? Oh, yes. The yes. stupid nightmares? Nightmares, yeah. Where when you're fighting a nightmare, when it's chasing you, it's in real time. You can't pause. You have to blunder out of there fast or else it's going to catch up with you. And And if you don't start fighting it, then it will get free shots on you if you don't start fighting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no, I remember that, too. And I was wondering if if this uh, addressed those, but I don't see that here. Because the last thing is, the display method of the jail's mood has changed to a notification message that automatically pops up. That's the last that, thing I see. That, that means nothing. It, it already automatically popped up. Mm-hmm. I Maybe that means it stays on screen in a clearly viewable fashion instead of... The jail's mood has just changed, and then it's reduced to a little icon in the corner, but that's that's not a major thing either. Mm-hmm. So the, the big one that I heard was use of the warehouse, which, okay, that's that's a good thing. That should have been in there in the first place, but it's in there now. Hip, hip, hooray. Yeah, it, it, seems, uh, it seems like there's some quality of life stuff here. It seems like taking out the roulette to uh, expand options, that's like a no-brainer, because that should have never been in there to begin with. That... That, for me, would automatically take a point off of a DRPG when you freaking tie in whole sections of a dungeon to a freaking roulette wheel. I'm totally okay with roulette stuff for, like, random loot that I, you know, it's just randomized, may or may not fall, go grind it up again if you miss it. Not a big deal, but but when you sit there and put entire hallways or rooms and stuff behind that crap, that doesn't... Who does that? Well, you know the answer now, Phil! Idea Factory and Compile Heart, Mm-mm-mm. which is why we had to talk about them so much uh, because they're so ubiquitous. Yes, let's go with that. They're ubiquitous. It, it is funny though because uh, I, you know, on the Vita and and now on the Switch, we just really get these Japanese flavored dungeon crawlers. On the PC, I can get more standard. Fair, let's say you know standard dungeon dragons type of uh, of stuff especially if you consider the retro re-release but 
But if I want to play a dungeon crawler on a handheld device, it's going to be some weird, freaky, blood-licking girls and, as 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 Paws would say, girls and boobies and everything else type of thing that you don't want to play in an airplane, probably. Probably not. No, no. Uh, uh, yeah, and then there's the stu- there's the licking. That's well, that's an integral mechanic. We must have Jack, who cannot directly fight, be able to lick the blood off of the ladies in po- in combat, so that they are not excited too much. That was a mandatory mechanic that could not be altered. But it couldn't take that out. Uh, and yeah, the 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 other dungeon crawlers I mentioned that are on the the switch uh two of the three are well mary skelter and more well don't even start about these in that game but uh yeah it's a shame like class of heroes which is the real true spiritual successor to the wizardry series uh which we had releases on the psp and i think the well the vita port you know vita port but uh, i think the ps3 maybe but it's a shame that they didn't continue that you know, because that took itself a little bit more seriously. It was still Japanese style, but kids in a school. But the dungeon crawling had nothing to do with girl licking or romances or anything like that. It was like, no, these are tough dungeons with really tough mo- wizardry style. Just go out and get them. But, alrighty, yeah, I'm slowly putting some time into the Switch here for a while. Mm. And there's Monster Hunter Shins Ultimate on this game. That's, that's the system seller right there. Okay, well... Uh, I think that's about it. I will remind everybody who's listening to this that the RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your news for news, your, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Uh, just head over to RPGamer.com. You can join our Discord community, as I mentioned before. You can hit us up at Twitter at RPGamer. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Mike is at Ju Mason. And, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of different things up there for you to check a look at. We got reviews by RP Gamers for RP Gamers. We also have the second best podcast on the internet, The Hunt, Stories from Monster Hunter. <laughs> so you'll want to go and check that out. And then somewhere, like, number 152 a... on the list is Q&A Quest. Wait, wait, wait. I, you were on Q&A Quest once. Yeah, well, that, when I was on that one, we turned it into the Monster Hunter podcast. Or maybe it was the Backtrack. I think that was the other one, too. But, yeah, it wasn't really a Q&A quest. Yeah, so... Is, is that why you haven't been on the Q&A quest since? No, I've just been, I've just been bloody busy. Busy. But you're not too easy to go check out rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, you want to put us to bed? Well... There are many things that one does in Fallout 4 that are best not done in real life. I do not recommend going to a source of radiation to see just how much of it you can stand before you drop dead. I do not recommend actively seeking out angry wildlife and trying to kill it. I don't recommend it. I know a few people do, but that's not what I would recommend. And I most assuredly would not recommend doing what Bethesda does, which is taking a fundamentally solid, not amazing, but solid engine, and stripping it of all the things that were done well to make a live service that is um, not particularly well implemented. Good night. Country road. <laughs> home. Almost heaven. West Virginia. Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is all there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains. Go.
memories gather round her. Miner's lady, stranger to blue water, dark and dusty, painted on the sky. Misty taste of moonshine, teardrops in my country roads. Take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take me home, country roads. I hear a voice in the morning. Now she calls me. Yesterday.